0: I like to move and move I like to move and move I like to move and move You like to move I like to move
1: and move I like to move and move I like to move and move You like to
2: Tomahawk, my little food benders. Bone Tomahawk! And welcome to a little late, but midweek, I like to movie movies. Sorry we're late, folks. My name is Garrett Smith.
0: My name is Dan Scully, and uh, should we tell them why we're a little late? I think so, why not? So, uh, apparently, regularly, outside of the studio... Uh, usually on a yearly basis, yes. uh, one of Garrett's neighbors holds a like 4th of July yes. block party, but it comes complete with a DJ. Yes. And even with walls between us, bass is just something that shows up on the mics. Yes, So uh, in order to enhance your listening experience, as well as our vocal cord experience, that yes. screaming over bass, we had to sit on it a couple days. We did. But, Ultimately, I think it was for good because yeah. I did a lot of research on, on the movie. And I am we're super some excited fun. about that. Yeah. Uh,
2: so the movie we're going to talk about today, uh, you know what? Let's get some plugs out of the way first and, okay. then, and then we'll hit that. It's going to be Manhunter. Yes, yeah. Manhunter. Uh, uh, Michael Mann's Manhunter. Uh, but, uh, we, you can find us online at, I like two movie, uh, pretty much everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, uh, I like two movie at gmail.com. If you want to get in touch with us and please do, uh, like, and subscribe, rate and subscribe on iTunes. That is very helpful to us. Uh, and leave us some comments there. We like to read them on the show when we get them. Uh, and uh, we oh, we had a great time uh, down at South Street Cinema. Oh, yeah, Uh, last weekend, I think it was. Yeah, a bunch of people came out, which was really fun. We did our Nick Cage game show. Uh, we ended up watching Drive Angry with uh, the folks at Puff, the Philadelphia Unnamed Mm -hmm. Film Festival, which is coming up in early September. We encourage
0: you to check out PhillyUnnamed.com, I think it is. Uh, PhillyUnnamed.com, and also stay tuned to us because uh, we're not announcing it, but I think we have uh, some interviews. Yes, to do. So, yes, yeah, it's gonna I be think exciting there's going to be stuff. some
2: really cool stuff coming mm-hmm. out of Puff this year, which Dan and I love, and uh, we would love it if you guys uh, got some tickets and showed up because I think there's. I already know the lineup, and uh, I think oh, they, and they announced the lineup. They announced now the too. lineup. Uh, it is good. Yeah, we're gonna it's get to see good. like my the big highlight for me is the Witch in the Window. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Mitten's new movie. He made a movie called uh, We
0: Go On that Dan and I saw at the first Puff that we both it's very incredible. much incredible. Yeah. It's like one of those movies that like captures what Hitchcock always said about horror, which yes. is like you can you can shake a whole bunch of people up, but if you don't care about those people, it's never scary. Yes, and uh, you know good characters make for good horror, and like that is such a well written, well acted movie. Yes, that even and I don't want to say too too much, but there's even a uh, a character that we will say that is inhuman. Yeah, that is very human. Yes, it's uh, it's good stuff, real That's good a, stuff. It's a so really I'm great to movie. See what he does with something. You know, like a witchcraft movie yes. that is more explicitly uh Halloweenish, we'll say. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And uh, yeah, it's it's uh Annie Mitt emotional horror, which is mm. kinda one of my favorite uh, subgenres uh within. So uh pretty excited about Puff. Uh we thank uh, Madeline and Alex for having us out. Uh down and Ken in South too Wisconsin. for uh, for yeah.
0: uh, helping set up that lineup too. Yeah. Give him uh, a shout-out.
2: Uh, but yeah, so we had a great time down at South Street Cinema last week. and uh, It's I, always a great time it, at it South really is. Street Cinema. The, uh, Puff is there every weekend. Uh, they did Bloodsport this past weekend. Oh, yeah, they man. screened just like really great stuff. Drive Angry was a fucking blast with the crowd. I that was your seen first time seeing that, yeah. right? Isn't that bonkers? It's bon- it, it <laughs> bonkers. Is, but
0: it's, Todd Farmer wrote it. I, yeah, so Jason X, It's Jason yep. X, so it's on that level totally where it is. knows what it is. It yep. knows exactly what kind of budget it's going to get. Yep. And then you sprinkle a little... Uh, little Nick Cage in it, and, and it's you're good to go.
2: One of my favorite car movies from the 70s is Ride with the Devil, and mm-hmm. I always say that like that seems like a movie that you could remake,
0: and it would actually be kind of a worthwhile remake. Oh,
2: yeah. Drive Angry is the closest I've ever seen to somebody you doing know, that. Fickner
0: as the devil's assistant Dude. is terrifying, and honestly, you know who runs away with that movie for me is Amber Heard. She's so great She plays in such it. a badass, yeah. and in a role that could very easily err on the side of just, like, you know, oogling her because yeah. she's just super fit, yeah. uh, ends up uh just being like she's a badass you yeah know? like she's
2: she's awesome she's she's straight up like cage's uh a partner in crime in it mm. you know and uh uh i think pretty successful i mean it's certainly a leery movie to some extent with her i think but um
0: as it, is part yeah, of the it's brand it's that kind
2: yeah. of movie uh but they really give her like a lot to do and, and
0: quite a bit of agency that makes it like really fun yeah it makes it yeah it's like true to the form but yeah it's. I mean, it's. I mean, I don't think it's as good of a movie as like Revenge. No, but no. When we were watching Revenge, that was the big thing. It was like, oh yeah, this still has a rape revenge plot, yeah. but a little tweak and it's yeah. different. It's it's less uh, exploitative and more empowering.
2: My roommate Aaron watched that with his dad on oh, my recommendation. That was probably fun. He said it, his dad loved it, oh, and right I was on. like, I love that, that movie. Has the power to do that. That's it's so, so good. good. Yeah, I it's, feel it's,
0: like if you don't like that movie, you're just wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know, it might not be to your taste, but it's sure. a fucking good movie. Yeah,
2: it's really. i still one of my favorites of the year. Uh, so anyway, let's get on with uh, Michael Mann's Manhunter, the most aptly titled movie in his uh, oh he <laughs> entire. The most aptly titled filmmaker
0: ever. <laughs> his name is Michael Mann. Yes. With two N's, and he likes to have beefy, brooding heroes yes. that sit in foggy cityscapes, yep. listening to droning score music, yep. and just. You know, silently contemplate uh, their their inner struggle, yes. and then and then they burst and throw cigarettes. And yes, it's just yeah. He's that kind of Michael Mann does that. They shit. They also wear short shorts. Short they, sh- like, well, that's there's... more of this came out in eighty six. I know, I know. So you know, it's just it's a very Which actually came out on my second birthday. Oh no shit! Came out on August fifteenth, nineteen eighty six. No shit! Awesome. Yeah, that's funny. Oh yeah, I, you I got, I, got a I birthday coming like right that. up. I here, do buddy. indeed. I'm yeah. fucking thirty four. Holy that's shit, so, man! That's insane. Yeah, I got my my driver's permit. Half of my life ago. Uh-huh. That, that's fucked up. Uh-huh. I should be president right now. <laughs> and frankly, I'd be doing a much better job. Oh, wait. I wouldn't is- be doing a great job, but I'd be doing a much better job. That I, is the I minimum age, right? 33? 30, yeah, 33. I think that's right. I could be president. Yeah, what a weird age to decide, like, that's when you're allowed to be mm-hmm. the president. I I mean I I don't even know why that was set up. Yeah, it but seems eh. like such a random whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Our youngest president was Obama, right? And he was oh, like forty something. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, that's wild.
2: If I'm right about thirty three, it it does kind of make sense in the sense that those rules were written at a time when you probably live to fifty max. You know? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's see age restrictions. Yeah,
2: like minimum age requirement for, for
0: president. It is you have to be load. So I'm really curious now if my nineteen no um, <laughs> if no person except a natural born citizen yep. or a citizen of the United States at the time of the adoption of this constitution shall be eligible to the office of president, neither shall any person be eligible to that office who shall not have attained to the age of thirty five years thirty five have been fourteen years a resident
2: thirty five makes a little more sense thirty three seems like a very weird arbitrary age not that thirty five like is any less be, arbitrary, but if
0: I were to pick. I mean, if I were to pick, I I would say ideally it's 27. Yeah, yeah. That's when I started to, like, think for myself in ways that weren't dangerous. (laughs) But I think, like, conceptually... 18 y- if you yeah. can pick up a gun and die for the country yeah. you should be eligible to run it yeah that's, that's you know
2: yeah i i i don't know if i have any opinions about how old a president should be to to be honest because i don't know i feel like you can i will say this uh, arguments. i think we should
0: probably cut it off at 65 <laughs> yeah. retirement age should yeah. be enough yeah because uh, you should be forced to our current retire guy from... is 70 something yeah and yeah he's an asshole to begin with yeah. but i think he might be a bit senile yes and so, just saying. Yep, yeah. Although, at the same time, if Bernie ran again, I wouldn't, like, hate on him for right, it. Right, Even yeah, he's yeah. old as dirt. Yeah. And probably super serious. <laughs> yeah. It, uh,
2: man, it, that whole wisdom that comes with age thing.
0: Yeah, but your brain, like, physically falls apart. Oh, no, I know. The point <laughs> I was about
2: to make is, like, I feel like we're finding out that um, the wisest wisdom happens somewhere right in the middle. Oh, somewhere <laughs> Exactly, <know>? yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. It's completely true. <laughs> um
0: uh, but okay, so Manhunter. I had. I just got a great text from Josh at Cinepunks. Yes, it's just a gif of Batman surfing with his shorts, the Adam West Batman yes. one, surfing with his can of repellent, and yep. it just says, "Hope you brought your shark repellent." <laughs> that's it. All right. I don't know what, Thanks, what the context is. Uh, uh, that's amazing. So huh, I had never seen Manhunter before. You had, yes, yes. I had seen Manhunter a couple times when um, when Hannibal came out. I the went TV through, show or the oh, no, movie? The, the movie, the yeah. Ridley Scott movie when Hannibal came out. I was like, all right, I'm going to, you know, uh, re-up on, on all of my Hannibal knowledge. Yes. And so I read Red Dragon. Yeah. And I didn't read Silence of the Lambs, and then I read Hannibal. Okay, and because um, actually Hannibal was, was that... written in conjunction right? with the script. That's what I thought it was kind of one of those. Same with Hannibal Rising, which I did. I've actually yet to see. I
2: don't even remember that. movie. It was a
0: prequel that it, it did not do well. I have not seen it. I, I would like Who to. Who played Hannibal in it? Um, uh, I don't know his name. It okay. was nobody. Okay, he was like a Matt Smith looking y- motherfucker. Yeah. Okay, but uh, it was uh, it was not received well, and neither yeah. was the book. I don't remember, but I read all of those. And knew, you know, I knew who Brian Cox was because yeah. I had seen one movie at least and he's in all of them. And and this was also this is the early 2000s when if it was a movie, it had Brian Cox. Yes, in it. It yeah, yeah, there. yeah. And so I heard that he was Hannibal Lecter. I think the, the ma- Total Film was the magazine that like, Yes, I remember Total out. Film. So uh, Red Dragon's first adaptation was Manhunter. Yes. Except uh, Dino De Laurentiis had made a movie called The Year of the Dragon. Oh. Uh, with Mickey Rourke solving a murder mystery in Chinatown. And it bombed. Oh. And he said, listen... Let's let's not use of the dragon or anything <laughs> with dragon. People don't like dragons because that's what Adina Dorenes is, is out of his mind. Yes. not other no, people. They don't like the dragon. I don't know. Yeah. What, is he Italian? I, I don't know. They don't like the dragons, eh? <laughs> And it's a pizza pizza pie. yeah. And uh, so they retitled it Manhunter. And believe it or not, the title Manhunter is what led him to think, oh, I should reach out to Michael Mann. <laughs> Wait, for <laughs> real? That is a fact. That d- makes so much sense, knowing the yep. little bit of insanity I know about Dino De Laurentiis. <laughs> There's a lot of insanity. But yeah. he made the right choice. And yeah. so in 1986, they made Manhunter, which is the first Hannibal Lecter story. Yes. Um, later, when it was Red Dragon... It was uh, it was sort of reworked to be more Hannibal Lecter heavy because right. it was leaning on the imagery of uh, Anthony Hopkins is, Hannibal Lecter. So I've only seen
2: Silence of the Lambs as far as um the Anthony Hopkins movies. Okay, is Red Dragon meant? to take place after the Hannibal movies that had already come nope. out. It
0: is, it is beforehand. Okay. It is the prequel. Cause okay. the order is red dragon, uh, red Dragon, yeah, uh, red Draglin, Uh red dragon, uh, silence of the lambs and then Hannibal. Hannibal. Okay. And so red dragon comes first okay. and it is a prequel. Yeah. This is, uh, in it, I believe, oh, I forget what happens at the end of it. It's not, I didn't much care for red dragon. Yeah. it's Brett Ratner. So, you know, it's playing. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, uh, Will Graham, yes, that, is played uh, by um, he's uh, played by Edward Norton, Edward Norton, movie. right? Yes, yeah. and so which is a good choice for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I remember it being just fine. Sure. It's just it's definitely of a different caliber, my, but it leans heavily on the Anthony Hopkins uh, Lecter imagery. And my understanding but it's before he's like locked up entirely, right? You know, he's like R- moving oh, around. Yeah, still, yeah, he's a little okay. My he's understanding is
2: cube. those two sequels are you know sequels quote unquote are are um. Even Hopkins is like almost doing a caricature of what he had done in Silence of the Lambs. Like they don't feel like the same character necessarily. Interestingly
0: enough, he took the role in Red Dragon, which he initially didn't want to do. Yeah, Um, actually, for Hannibal, it was almost going to be Tim Roth. Whoa, interesting. um, Which they had that would be an interesting choice. I'd be into it. Yeah, but um, for uh, and you know, especially because they could just old man make him make up him up. But um, for Anthony Hopkins, the reason why he did Red Dragon was he said, you know, people really love Hannibal Lecter, and I need to remind them that he's not really the type you love. Okay. And so I want to go and just do it again. Be and like, just, like Really, like, just remind you that he's a yeah. monster. Yeah. And I, I don't remember what his performance was like. Yeah, The only thing I remember is that in this one, he was... He was on, like, a dog leash kind of thing. It okay. was, like, a, a warehouse. Yeah. And in the center of it, there was just... You know, you put dogs on, like, the line. Yeah. And their leash is on that, so they can only go for a certain distance. Yeah. And so he was able to walk around. He's ambulatory, but there's, like, a red square that yeah. you can't go past because that's, like, the the extent of what yeah, he can yeah. reach. So it's a cool visual idea. Yeah. I mean... I hate to offer Brett Ratner any sort of credit for anything except being a, a dick fuck. Yeah, but uh, well, you
2: could probably just credit like his uh, his producers with coming up oh, with that yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. You know, some like set designer that, that was we'll, we'll smart. Give it, we'll give it to Norton. Yeah, 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 <laughs> to yeah, yeah, yeah. Norton. He likes we, to tamper with. I was going to say yeah. to
0: be fair, I think that actually might be true. <laughs> I actually read something today about uh, Edward Norton. Oh, what was it? There was some factoid about Edward Norton. Uh, disagreeing with the way that a certain thing was done and it ended up being the right choice. I'll think of it, but we'll yeah, get yeah. back to it. But I'll ask you this. Yeah. Uh, how does Brian Cox's Hannibal Lecter stack up against Anthony Sir Anthony Hopkins' Hannibal Lecter? I was fascinated by it because there it's so I had seen Silence of
2: the Lambs pretty young actually. That mm-hmm. was like an early horror-ish movie uh that that I got to see. Uh, And I like Anthony Hopkins in that movie a lot. That performance is, I Mm. mean, there's a reason that movie is legendary, you know? Um, And he, you know, there's a very particular thing he's doing in that movie that I think is what makes Hannibal so interesting in the movie where he is just as monstrous as he is, uh, like, um, uh, high society. He's, like, trying to act as if he's this very controlled... High, member of high society. He didn't make her
0: liver into a hamburger. Right. He had it with fava beans and candy. <laughs> right, yeah. right.
2: He, and I I like that juxtaposition of those things uh, in his portrayal of it. And what I thought was interesting about watching Brian Cox was was knowing that Brian Cox had done this before Silence of the Lambs because this movie predates Silence of the Lambs by, what, like five or six years, I think? Um, Silence of the Lambs is early 90s, right? 19, six, five years. Yeah, yeah, it's 1991. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you can see a lot of that in Cox's performance, but Cox's performance is not so much like he's not acting like he's high society as much as he's very
0: particular and detail oriented. Is that mm-hmm. does the difference I'm trying to? to- I, I think you're spot on because the one thing that always bugged me and I, I think that. Hannibal Lecter as Anthony Hopkins did it there's a reason why he's iconic and yeah. I think it's incredible and so yeah. what I'm about to say is absolutely not a slight against it yeah it's only comparatively but one thing that always bugged me about Hannibal Lecter is that there seemed to be this element of surprise when people would find out that he was villainous right And that always didn't sit with me because I feel like the way he is... Now, granted, he is somebody who is well aware of his own celebrity by the time that we meet him. And so he is leaning into how creepy he is. He likes to be that creepy. But at the same time, I I feel like... you know even in hannibal we learn like he's so suggestive there's a character did you see you said you didn't see hannibal i've not seen hannibal uh, gary I don't oldman mind if you plays spoil oh no this me. isn't yeah. a spoiler he plays mason verger who okay. is this super rich guy who is one of hannibal lecter's patients oh okay. hannibal lecter was such a good uh, he was so good at manipulating people that he actually convinced Mason Verger to cut his own face off, Whoa. just using words. And so he's under a lot of like uh, prosthetic makeup. Yeah. It's a really crazy... Li- it, that movie's decent, but yeah. that's a crazy Gary Oldman performance. Yeah. In the book, he's literally a skeleton face. Whoa. Um, you can't really do that in a movie. Yeah. But it was that kind of thing that that he tries to be, is that he's, he's so suggestive that you almost forget that he's evil, right? and you want to do what he wants you to do. It's almost yeah. hypnotic. And I just, there was a little piece of me that couldn't always buy that. Yeah. And so in that respect, I prefer Cox's Hannibal Lecter because he's the kind of guy that, you know, it seems weird but not murderous. Right. But as soon as you find out he's murderous, it makes it sense. It totally makes sense. Whereas Hannibal, it wouldn't surprise me. I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Like, I get why he's the, I mean,
2: uh, the moment you, my memory is, like, the moment you meet him in uh, Silence of the Lambs, Just the way the camera plays on his face and stuff is Mm. like, this is an evil man. You know, it's like it's very apparent immediately. Whereas I think with Brian Cox, I I wouldn't I wouldn't call Cox like a subtle actor. no, And I wouldn't say there's even much subtlety to his Hannibal. Yet, you know, I buy him as just a. A prisoner that Will Graham goes to meet, who we then have a bunch of information revealed to us about as to the extent of his evil, mm-hmm.
0: if that makes sense. Well, and Will Graham's profession, he was a profiler. Right. And so, as a profiler, the idea is that you have to try and figure out what the, I guess, the M.O. of the killer is. Right. And so, for the sake of a lot of movies, it's we get inside the head of the killer yeah, and that yeah, kind yeah. of a thing. And so, when he caught Hannibal Lecter, he got so deep into his head that it you know, almost killed it him. fucked him up. And I think that that relationship works better. Um, I mean, it works better for a lot of reasons in Manhunter as opposed to Red Dragon. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of that has to do with Brian Cox's character. Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly from the book, the way that it worked was, uh, how did it go? He caught Hannibal Lecter because he was at his house. Okay. Just like hanging out, you know, not knowing that it was him and saw a painting on the wall that had wounds on it that matched one of the victims and so was then able to put it together and when he saw that pieces started to click together in his head to go oh this is the guy that did it yeah and i think imagining that where it's just oh i'm hanging out with this guy who's a little off and a little smart yeah and then having that moment of oh shit this just got real yeah that's some scary scary stuff and that Picturing that with Cox is easier and more natural to me than with uh Hopkins. Yeah, yeah. But it, you know, they they're they're both employed for different functions. Totally. You know, we know Hannibal Lecter Hopkins primarily from the silence of the lambs. Yes. And, you know, like I said, that is after he has become a little bit celebritized yeah. and is sort of using, you know, his uh his newfound usefulness as an opportunity to escape. Yeah. Whereas Cox's character is more of just a hindsight sort of thing like he's he's on the sidelines and he's just a uh, he sort of represents the the chaos that Graham in self-imposed retirement is running from.
2: And the, do I remember this right about Manhunter that the they almost kind of imply that they've intentionally been Almost trying to like hide Lecter from like the public eye. Yeah, they don't want him to become the celebrity status that he eventually reaches. And as you can see, when he does
0: that whole phone thing, where he gets effortlessly, he hacks into a phone for lack of a better term, gets Will's home address. Yes, you know just effortlessly yep and so naturally that it's like, yeah if this guy has any sort of awareness of the outside world, he'll find a way to exploit it that yep. will be two steps ahead of anything we could predict yeah so it's just better to keep him you know in complete solitary yeah 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 well so what I ended up liking about manhunter so much
2: is actually that title. I think that I mean I, I because I've not seen a red red dragon, mm. I don't exactly know why it's titled that way or what that title might imply. Whereas with the movie, the title Manhunter is such a perfect title for this movie Mm. that's that's about a profiler. So he's hunting men who hunt men. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a very, you know, there was a rash of these movies in the 70s. And it's interesting that this is sort of like a late 80s, not update on this, but just another rehash of these sort of like cop and criminal, two sides of the same coin Mm kind of thing. But it gets into it in such a—it uh, comes at that it's such a different angle than something like Dirty Harry or something like um, uh, um, oh, what's another movie that's like that? I mean, even Silence of the Lambs yes. does
0: it differently because there's just the whole Clarice, we're, we're not so different, you and I. Right, you know? like, right, That's we share information because we have the same goal. Right. Quid, quid pro quo, Clarice. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. The, yeah. Th-
2: this movie very much feels more like, uh, um, as opposed to Lecter in Silence of the Lambs telling Clarice. We're the same, you and I, and I'm going to convince you we're the same. This movie is more Brian Cox, I'm going to convince you without having to
0: tell you. I'm going to manipulate your actions. And the whole movie speaks to that without telling you, like, oh, they're all the same. It's whenever Will has a realization, he finds, oh, the only reason I got this information is because I behaved the way the killer did. When I mirrored his behavior, then the clues showed up. Yes. That, yeah, he's like, he's literally in the tree looking into the house of the family that they killed. You know, the,
2: all my favorite moments in this movie were like him on the airplane looking at the pictures of. Um, what was the killer's name in this movie? Uh, the Tooth Fairy. The Tooth Fairy.
0: It's uh, Mr. Dollar Hyde, Yes, yes, his that's name. Right. Which also, to speak to your point about Manhunter, yeah. uh, one of the things that they do in this, which they also do in Silence of the Lambs, which has almost become a trope later, the understanding the killer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in this one, they give a romantic storyline to Dollar that's Hyde. Right. Because he is not necessarily reveling in his own beast. Right. He's almost trying to find an excuse to stop. Yes. And his excuse to stop, Joan Allen ends up just fueling the fire more, but yeah. he is hunting for that man um, while at the same time trying to become the red dragon. Yeah, so yeah. he's caught in this, this, uh, you know, he's, he's man hunting yes. in a way he's caught in this push and pull. Absolutely.
2: Event. And that all my favorite moments were just will, you know, will ends up obsessing over the family photos of one of the tooth Fairy's victims. hmm. Which turns out is a lot of how the Tooth Fairy ends up picking his ve he gets obsessed mm. with their life, their family, the place they live, their you know, he's obsessive about the almost these lives that it seems because the, the way that they bring Joan Allen into the story is exactly what you're saying, where he's looking for a savior. Like maybe Joan Allen will break him out of this yes, murderous yeah. cycle. He can he's be normal. In. Right. Yeah. And so what he becomes obsessed with is is what he considers normal lives. Mm-hmm. He sees a normal life, becomes obsessed with it, and has to destroy it because he can't have it.
0: You know? And at the same time, too, when um, when uh, Graham's uh, family could potentially be in danger, he doesn't run to them right. the way that, you know, the uh, father and husband should do. Yes. He... Doesn't want to get close to them. It's just get as far away from me as possible. Yeah. We want to make them safe, and I'm going to go become this, you know, become this monster for yes. a little bit. Yeah, and he's hiding them as well as from himself as from you know potential tooth fairy attacks. Yeah.
2: Do you? So now that we're talking about it like this, what do you think of the ending of this movie? It, 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 are we meant to think that Hannibal was somewhat successful at the end? In that by the
0: end, Will really does hunt and kill a man. I mean, I think Hannibal Lecter's function was just more um, out of vengeance to just fuck up his game a little bit because he knew that it was the capture of him that ended Graham's career. Right. And so to see Graham, you know, reluctantly returning to a career and then needing him. Yeah. He just kind of gets off on the idea of like, well, I can still I can still fuck with this guy's head. You know, I think that's I, I. It's so weird to talk about this movie from a frame of Hannibal Lecter because that almost seems like after the fact. You're right. But I would, to answer your question, I would say, yeah, he was successful. If his goal, as I read it, was to just fuck everything up, I don't think he cared whether the Tooth Fairy continued to kill or not. Right, I don't either. I think that was more just enjoyment for him. Um, They had the exchanges back and forth through the personal ads where he just called himself a fan.
2: I loved that plot point. Oh, it's so cool. And that has all my favorite stuff. It's all process. It's all, Mm -hmm. okay, we got to get these articles in under this light because we got to check for thumbprints. Okay, we, mm-hmm. there's no thumbprints, so we gotta okay, now we gotta look at these, like, ultralight things to see if we can find something on the toilet paper it's written mm-hmm. at, you know. It's all just, like, detective processy shit. I love it's that so, That's stuff. what makes Zodiac rule. Yeah. Just,
0: I mean, yeah, there's good horror sequences Absolutely. in Zodiac, but the best parts are people bickering around the, the table. And the figuring it the out Little of it things. all. Yeah. You gotta finish The Wire, man. That's yeah, all I, it oh, is. I know, that's I know. all it is. It's I know. just a little, little bit of melodrama yeah. added into it.
2: But I do, I do wonder if, because I think you're right, I don't think Hannibal, and, and you're right, this is kind of the wrong way to
0: frame this Movie because it's not really about Hannibal. If but, we were to talk about it with anyone besides people who have just watched it, though, that is the question that will be asked. I so I don't so. think it's unfair. Yeah, it, like I think you're right. I first saw this movie because I was chasing more Hannibal Lecter media. sure so, Like yeah. that's that is what it is. Yeah, which is
2: interesting because I I kind of came to it this time as more of going like Michael Mann. I want I want more yes, man. Yeah. You know, which um, I think is
0: almost is probably the better way to do I, it because it just stinks of man. Absolutely. I, so and, and we'll man. we'll take that turn in just a second. Because yeah. but I am
2: interested in investigating this. That like I think you're right i don't think he really cares about the tooth fairy the tooth fairy is a pawn in
0: his game with will yeah he's just that's entertainment but i wonder if because even he's manipulating the Tooth Fairy. Absolutely. The Tooth Fairy probably, I mean, the Tooth Fairy has no concept of Will Graham right? except for after Lecter clues him into it. E- exactly. And would never have had a concept of him. No, I don't think I so. I think the only time they even come to any sort of face-to-face thing is when he bursts through this the glass window, through that window, which, which is, is amazing. People always criticize the movie, like, why didn't he just shoot him? It's like, well, that's the thematic moment, yeah. is that there's a an invisible divider between them, yes. and he bursts through it to violently become, you know, they yeah. become one, they and become it's one. just his his moral code that that separates them. Yes. You know?
2: And the, and the thing is he does burst through the window and he does kill that guy, yeah. right? And so I do I was kind of left wondering like is this what Hannibal was after? Is is he trying
0: to break Will, which I think we can pretty unequivocally he say yes. He turned him into a killer. He's trying to break him. He literally ultimately led to him killing that guy. Cuz exactly. I think that Will bursting through that window is certainly not protocol for a police right, officer right. and certainly not for a profiler. All the rest of the cops are not A profiler to does stop. not arrest anybody. No, yeah. A profiler just works behind the yeah. scenes. So for him to get there and then to kill, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, spoiler alert for Seven. Yes. That was the big thing was as soon as uh, John Doe was about to get killed by uh, Mills. S- Somerset or Mills. Mills.
2: Mills is Pitts' character. Yes. Right? Okay. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And uh, the whole thing in Somerset saying, "Don't do it. Don't do it." Yeah. That's what he wants. John Doe didn't care if he lived or died. Yeah. And but I can't believe I remembered those names. <laughs> oh, it's because Somerset and Mills. Yeah, yeah. Don't do it, Mills. John Doe was the upper hand. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, line. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. And uh, it's so crazy that out of those three, Brad Pitt's the only one anyone likes anymore. <laughs> and, uh, it's wild. Yeah. But but you know the, it's the same sort of thing where it's like. Yeah. I would have shot John Doe too. Yeah. I would have pissed on his corpse. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, literally moments before that, Brad Pitt's going, Do you know you're crazy? Right. When you're jacking right. off to your copy of right. Guns and Ammo, do you just go, Oh, fuck, I'm crazy? Yeah. Like he's mocking him, yeah. not realizing that he's just, you know, it's the Joker's MO. Yep, It's just that push can yeah. do it. And that I think that was Lecter's thing here. Yeah. Is he was trying to give him that push. He's a pretty Joker-esque why character. He, he is a Joker-esque yeah. character. And why he. Uh, put himself into, you know, early retirement was because he didn't want to cross that line. Right, yeah. He caught the guy without crossing that line, and now there's a, an opportunity for him to catch a new guy, but because of his history, he does end up crossing that and line. And I
2: really like that about this movie that we are we don't know anything about the 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 Hannibal case really. Mm-hmm. We we know very little about it. We know just enough to know it this broke will and he felt like he was becoming the thing he was hunting. Mm -hmm. So he had to stop. And he gets drugged back in. By Dennis Farina. Yes. Oh, <laughs> of my people. God. God, Dennis Farina. He's so great. Uh, he, o- who only ever plays Dennis Farina. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Farina <laughs> is
0: just cavernous, pockmarked face. It's it, uh,
2: R.I.P. I love that man. I know. At, at some point, somebody needs to just go back through every movie he was ever in and
0: change the end credits to say Dennis Farina as Dennis Farina. Yeah. <laughs> I want a supercut of all the times that he arrives at a town and is just like, L.A., huh? You can keep it. Yeah, yeah. I, I want that. There's, there's got to be a hundred. Yeah, I can think of two. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he does that exact line in both Snatch and Big Trouble. Yeah, that's sounds And it, right. it can't be just I those two. God, he's in Big Trouble. He's what a weird trouble. movie. He, Miami, huh? You can keep it. That's yeah. that is definitely a line. and, and so funny. I'm pretty. I don't know what it was in Snatch. It might have been England. It might have been yeah, like, yeah, London, yeah, huh? Yeah. You can keep it. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, so why don't we talk about it as a Michael Mann movie? Well, one thing I want to say yeah. about the Lecter scenes that I didn't notice, and then I read today, and then I looked it up on YouTube. Uh, apparently, when they framed those shots, because what's so cool about it is, is it's such a tight. Yeah, it, they're never not in that room when dealing with Lecter. It's right. such a tight little thing. Uh, it's different in Silence of the Lambs, yes. where it's you know where it's big. It's different in Red Dragon, where um, I think in Red Dragon that he's on the leash, sort of gives him more of a chance to move. Yeah, which I don't think quite works but if you look at the way that the shot is framed in manhunter when they cut back and forth from each of their points of view they aligned it so that the bars of the cell never actually move oh. there's no disparity if you were to do a crossfade of those yeah. shots the bars would maintain Whoa. a static thing yeah. just to suggest like you know it, the you know you're uh, i'm not locked in here with you you're locked in here with me yeah two sort sides of, a thing. of the coin yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah yeah smart stuff i love that. that's like and that is like if we talk about Ridley Scott you know masturbating all over the crowd with the flute <laughs> bender scene, yes. To me, Michael Mann framing those bars like that yeah. is him just masturbating. You know, it's less of a technical feat, but yeah, yeah. at the same time, it's him just being like, this is everything I love in movies. Yeah. This is everything I wanted to talk about. <laughs> you know. Yeah, What is? I'm, I have to ask, what's on your shirt? Oh, uh,
2: this is uh, King Boxer. This is one of the CinePunk shirts. Oh, uh, right on. This is one of the movies they played up at, um, I think it's called the, the Franklin Ale House uh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. up in uh, Bethlehem. Nice. Yeah. Uh, nice. They just did Crippled Avengers, which is I one of my know. favorite movies, uh. and I was like, Josh, I gotta <laughs> (laughs) Get one of those t-shirts. Nice. Nice. Um, But uh, yeah, so Michael Mann. So I I am uh, uh, kind of a Michael Mann novice. I saw Thief a couple years ago and Mm. fucking loved it. And I just finally saw Heat for the first time a couple weeks ago. And now we both got to
0: live that Jim Gaffigan joke. because I saw Heat maybe like six seven years ago yep. and it was the same deal where i'm like you guys want to talk about anybody want to talk, talk about he just saw heat yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly but it, but heat is the perfect movie for that because yeah. it's just like big yes and brooding it's yes. worth it yeah but it's it's a lot of movies it's, like, it's very movie. hard to sit down and want to watch heat yep so
2: <laughs> finally did it so and i want to say those are the only three mans i've seen at this point
0: oh right on i, I mean he's good he did uh actually okay. you know what i haven't seen i mean I, i've Seen some of, but years ago, his best picture winner, The Insider. Oh, and that is like that high on my. Maybe we should do that as yeah, an episode. I'd be It's like Matt. two hours and forty minutes. Yeah, and that might be the only situation that yeah, so we watch where, it. where I actually yeah. sit down. And I would do, do that because
2: I really. I, so, having seen these three movies, it for me, man's aesthetics are like what I'm super into. I love the the way he captures just the neon nightlife of various cities. I really love the sort of droning synthesizer scores that kind of like brood their way through his movies. Um, There's something about the way his movies look and feel that I love. Mm. It's this weird marriage. It's hypnotic. Yeah. It's very gritty, but also like because of his focus on those kind of like neon aesthetics, like it's, it feels new. It feels—I like, I don't know any other word it like to describe it looks, like that. it looks like an old pop. It looks <laughs> like an old pop tart. An older pop. It looks like an older pop tart. <laughs> looks like a hazy pop tart.
0: That's the thing. That's that's what I think is uh, what's so cool about him is that there's nothing crisp about his movies. Right. Um They're sharp. Yes. But there's no edges to anything. Right. It's always very foggy and. Um, I think that there's like a comfort to it, yeah. But it's also that same kind of thing where you're comfortable, but if you look past the fog, you don't know what's there. Yeah, yeah. I I think he always captures that. Sometimes to the benefit of the material, with something like Heat, or especially with Manhunter. Yeah. Sometimes to the detriment of the material, like Public Enemies is an okay movie. Yeah. But like that movie should look more crisp. It's a weird match for for Man but also his obsession with with using real guns that are just filled with blanks <laughs> is the best part of public enemies cuz they have real tommy guns Whew. and they just it's Ugh, good. i bet that looks crazy my own yeah. it's good stuff yeah uh
2: so it's for me it's a lot of the aesthetics that i that i get super into with these movies um and, and i mean Manhunter does not disappoint on have you seen that seen the keep
0: no okay never mind no i've not seen it i thought maybe you keep. did cuz that's just like a classic like I'm sure they played it at Exhumed at some point. It's like
2: an Assault on Precinct 13 type movie, right? No,
0: The Keep is like a... Uh, it's a, How should I put it? I'm just going to pull up the plot synopsis. It's a uh, an ancient demon that was freed from its prison, and a uh, Nazis have to talk to a Jewish historian to Whoa. help... Re- it's, it's not terribly good. What a but, weird thing um, for Michael Mann to make, though. That's interesting. It's got Scott Glenn, Ian McKellen, and Jurgen Proknov. <laughs> so it's like... Gabriel Byrne. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, I watched it. Uh, you know, it's funny. It even has Michael Carter in it, and Michael Carter you would know because this is quite literally his IMDb only headshot. He's been fortunate. That's so funny. But um, I, I mean, it keeps worth watching. It's yeah. been on Netflix like forever. Because I'll no one totally watch it. it. Yeah. It's not very good. Yeah. Well, but it looks cool because yeah. it is ancient relics yeah. shot with that with foggy man's like aesthetic yeah. yeah it's good stuff. i love that that's spooky yeah
2: so uh, i don't know let's try and dig into that though like it, for me like a lot of the stuff that i like about man's movies are those aesthetics i'm not as mm. into like the machismo stuff that he brings with those aesthetics mm. i don't hate it or anything but that that's you know that's never really been like my my cup of tea in movies necessarily
0: mm um and, and it I, actually almost works better present day looking back at it yeah in the same way that we look back at like when we watch like a tasteless grindhouse movie yeah. and we revel in the fact that it's just completely not okay by yes. today's standards yeah. and i wouldn't say that this is not okay but it's certainly of the 80s brand for sure and so looking back on it it's like the brooding of Will Graham, I think is good. It's well done and it yeah. matches it. Yeah. But to me, it's a little bit funny. Yes. And that's part of the joy of watching. But, yeah. you know, and that's why like something like black hat looks so ridiculous to me. I would like to watch that again. Yeah. Cause I had a blast watching it. I just don't remember liking it, <laughs> but it's the same. Like it, it's very weirdly like brooding and it's like, you're like 85 and you're trying to make a tech thriller yeah, that's yeah. brooding in an 80s way. Nothing about yeah. this makes sense. There's like
2: a thick layer of cheese on his movies mm. that I don't know that he was intending, if he that makes sense. He puts the cheese in my cheese yeah, 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 he really does. And I don't know but that But it probably
0: didn't look cheesy at I don't, the time. That's what I mean. You know? I don't think it did. Like You know, see enough of the old episodes of Miami Vice? Yeah. Then you realize where he's coming from and yeah. it makes more sense. Well, but like, it is cheesy in a way that's... It's fun because it's cheesy. Yeah. Every
2: dad I've ever known loves heat. Yes, I don't think I've ever known a dad that liked heat in any kind of ironic way.
0: Yes, do you know exactly. what I mean? Oh, and that's the thing. My dad would probably eat up Manhunter. Yeah. because he likes the cops and robbers stuff. Right. Whereas I would just be like, "Who is this dude?" Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. It feels weird to me now.
2: And and I like I like that about these movies mm. is that they do like as far as them being these these sort of like investigations of a certain kind of machismo. Machismo is very a very specific thing in his movies. Mm. It it does not feel
0: of the broader '80s brand to me. It feels very specific to man. He's got his own way of doing it. Yeah. Um, Well, because I think in the '80s you would think of, you know, like if if Will Graham, excuse me, were to what's his name? William Peterson is the actor. Yes. 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 Um, if he were to fit the '80s aesthetic, he would be a little bit more assertive. Yeah. He would be bulkier yes. and, and bigger and he would he would probably be a little more demeaning towards his wife. Yeah. Um he wouldn't make sense next to Arnold or JCVD yeah, exactly. or or uh, uh um but even uh, like the cops back then Stallone. if you watch yeah like a Stallone yeah. like uh trying to think of a good example of a cop movie from back then. But yeah it's just it's just a different thing. Yeah. And so it is sort of a softer manliness, mm-hmm. uh at least in the sense of you know, don't ask me questions. I'm a man, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I also get the sense that if Will Graham were lost, he would not want to ask for directions. Right. You know, it's like it, that sort of a thing. It, I, now that it, we're talking about it, it's
2: almost like uh, and, and I, do, I I still think it's like so cheesy in a way that I really enjoy, but it's almost like man is trying to to hone in on or zero in on like what what, what um, the the machismo and manliness that we see in movies would actually look like in real life, Mm
0: -hmm. if that makes sense. But then it also has that soap operatic edge where it's like, yeah, it would look like this in real life, but this wouldn't happen. Right. right?" You know, like that kind of thing. But it's like... I know what you mean, though. They're
2: like killing themselves with cigarettes. Yes. And they're like drinking too hard, but they're not actually these big bulky dudes that could just like defeat any uh, uh, perp that they're after. Mm. You know, it's like they, they... The manliness in his movies tends to like bear out into... Depression and brokenness and unhealthy choices. It's and, you almost know? like a
0: commentary, like, of the, what we're reaching now is like the odd, uh, like, patriarchal requirements of men has led to an almost epidemic level of male suicide yes. and depression. Yes. And, you know, I, I mean, there's many factors, but, yeah. you know, it, it is correlative. You know, the causative natures are, have yet to be determined. Yeah. It's almost like he's commenting on that before the fact, right. but, like, in a way where it almost. If it was made now, it would feel like there's a wink and a nod, but yes. there isn't one. And right. that's that's where I'm struggling to find the angle.
2: Right. I, I'm struggling to find that angle too, but maybe that maybe it is that juxtaposition of those things that makes his movies so interesting to me. That's mm-hmm. why they seem cheesy to me, right? They're they're I don't think they were made with the intent to be cheesy, but when we watch them now, we can see where it's like, oh, he kind of preemptively was trying to deconstruct that kind of like mm-hmm. manhood. Uh, And and in doing so, we see something that's almost a little bit silly because it's like, I don't know, it's
0: trying to like marry these two ideas that
2: maybe don't quite make sense together. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, And I think it's ultimately, I don't want to say it's the only thing, but part of his masculine obsession, uh, Graham's masculine obsession, is what gets the job done. Yeah. But it is also what turns him into the monster. Yes. Uh, We talked about it on our Bone Tomahawk episode, Uh, where that, that movie was an absolute indictment of what it means to man up and be a man. yes. But at the same time, it got half of them killed, but it got the job done. Yes. Um, but it also, you know, like it was their, it was their, their dutiful madness that got them in trouble yeah. and got them out of trouble. And it's like, I think we still struggle to find that line. Yeah. yeah. And so him walking that line with uh, just whatever his touch is, is, is valuable, dated Yet relevant. I don't know. It's everything. Yeah, it's, I, it's, I love Michael Mann. It's really interesting. I kind of want to watch Ali now just with that. Oh, I didn't know I've he made that. I've never seen it. He made that. Yeah. And I just wondered with that lens what it would say about... I mean, Ali was, was the ego incarnate. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. And I hear that's a good Will Smith performance. Yeah, you know, he's I, I would on, like to see that. He's on. Yeah. yeah.
2: And that you know, like of the, of the three I've seen that I know of, uh, Thief still ends up being my favorite. And I think it's partially because... There's an interesting thing about Thief where, like...
0: Also starring, what's his name? uh,
2: James Caan is in that. And, yes, William Peterson is is in it as well. I just want to make sure we're saying his name. I think you're correct. Uh, My memory is that is accurate. Um, Uh, Willie
0: Nelson's in Thief? I've never seen that.
2: Whoa, I do not remember him in it. Um, Dennis Farina's in Thief. uh, Yes, yes. Uh, Thief is cool because... There is no yes, other side to the Machismo in Thief. It's mm-hmm. like just about James Con. There's no counter like there is in Manhunter or Heat. You know, mm-hmm. in Manhunter you have to some extent like Hannibal as a counter to Will, and, and mm-hmm. in Thief you you know De Niro and Pacino are definitely playing counters to each other. To my memory, there's no counter in Thief. We are we are just investigating this like broken criminal mind kind of, mm-hmm. uh, and it's great. I think kind of because of that, because it, it he as opposed to trying to juxtapose uh, his, ide- you know, his ideas of of manliness with with, you know, so I, I guess the juxtapositions, though, in those movies are not necessarily about manliness. they're They're more about like the cop and killer, cop and criminal kind of thing, now that I'm saying this out loud. Mm-hmm. But Thief is just so centered on this one character that I think it kind of works better with his weird. I don't know, like, just obsession with with obsessive men. That's kind Mm. of what it is, actually. He has an obsession with obsessive men. Mm. Men that obsess over a thing until it breaks them, Mm. you know? Uh, And Thief is, like, just honed and zeroed in on that. You should see that movie, man. It's it's fucking really cool. I'd like
0: to see all of man's stuff. I mean, that's... uh, You talked about, like, them, like, chain-smoking and hurting themselves. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite moments from the uh, old Miami Vice TV show... Uh, and it's a notable episode because a young Bruce Willis is the bad ah. guy. Uh, there's a great one. Cause like his Bruce Willis, wife like comes out to show her party dress. Yeah, She's like, what do you think? And he's like, yeah, you look like a slut. And he throws her in the pool. And he's like, what are you going to do now? Now you're all wet. <laughs> <laughs> like it's crazy. <laughs> but uh, if I remember correctly, uh, Don Johnson yeah. is watching the villain do something through yeah. the periscope of a submarine. Okay. And he sees it and it enrages him yeah. and he, rah, he pulls away. Yeah. And, uh, He uh, pulls his cigarettes out. He rips the filter off, throws it (laughs) and punches the wall and then lights his filter, filterless cigarette. He's like, I didn't I didn't take this job just to spectate. (laughs) And like, it's the most pure distilled man moment I can think of. Yeah. But in a TV sense. Yeah. In the movies, it's probably, it's probably a little smoother.
2: That's There's a scene in Thief where uh, James Caan is, is kind of performing his big heist. Mm. And I had never before Thief seen a heist like this where... I had only seen like Ocean's Eleven type heist movies where it's like, it's all very clean and everybody's very rich and we've got all the gadgets we need. His is like... He's got to break into this vault that just has, like, a super thick door, so he's got to build this enormous fucking drill that's <laughs> <Nice>. the loudest <laughs> thing you've ever heard in your life, and it's this dirty, disgusting thing that he has to do alone. There's no team. It's, like, it's such a distillation of, like, this is what man thinks of men, this you know? This is what he like, has to do. Yeah, he's, he's obsessed just, with getting and it gotta open. He's got to do it himself, and it's dirty, and it sucks, And uh, but he's got
0: to be rewarded, question mark, at the end of it, you I know? think it's, like... Uh, where most logical people would cut and run, a Michael Mann hero character digs deeper. uh ultimately, potentially to their detriment. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They 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 undermine themselves by being too obsessed. You know, mm-hmm. their their obsessions end up undermining them. I think mm-hmm. that's an interesting. I think we kind of hit something there with with, with the, true. the obsessiveness of his his characters. Well,
0: it's like I said about asking for directions. That's like the classic criticism of just the man. Yeah, and it's like you could. You could get more lost yeah. and preserve your ego, yeah. or you could just ask for directions, and the stereotype is, whoa, 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 ego's got to stay intact. I will get more lost, and I will get us unlost if you give me the time. <laughs> when it's like, there's a gas station right, right the fuck there, <laughs> and there's a person who knows where, just ask, yeah. and won't do it, yeah. and his characters are that. yeah, you know, yeah. Where it's just, just and stop, you know, man. You you don't need this money. You don't need to be a thief. But he's gonna keep going. That
2: just made me uh, the, the, that it occurs to me that one of the interesting things about Manhunter then is that Will very clearly um, needs a, a therapist of some kind. Like mm-hmm. he 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 really uh, something happened to him in his investigation of Lecter, which you know happens before we meet him in the movie. Mm-hmm. He clearly needs therapy of some kind, but the guy that put him in that position was a therapist, was a psychiatrist, if not mistaken, yes, yeah. right? And that's kinda i didn't even think about that aspect of it, that like the thing that Will needs most might be something he's most afraid of. And not just because he's a man who's I don't need therapy, but because like the guy that put him in this position was do was doing oh, that thing that's supposed be to help to be him. Mistrustful you know? Yeah, because yeah.
0: Yeah, you you would it's the 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 head shrinker, right? You right. Know, like his one experience with it was very very bad. Yeah. Why would he trust someone yeah. with that much power again? That's yeah. such an interesting. Yeah. Why would I, he? Why would that's the that's the hardest thing about. it. I mean, I I earlier this year started going to therapy. Yeah. Just because I thought it would be a good thing to and, do. Yeah. And it's great. And the hardest thing about it, the absolute hardest thing about it, is those first couple times when you just have to. It's the I need help moment. Yeah. It is so hard to do to yep. just be like, listen, this is how I'm feeling. Yeah. Because we're all trained to just be like, all right, we'll, we'll get through it. Yeah. And it's like, and it, and once you do it, it's easy. But yep. like, it is scary to say, okay, the power's in your court. What do I do? Yeah. And the the surprise ending to all therapy is that they don't tell you what to do. Right, right. Is they just give you a, an avenue to figure out what, what you need to do. Yeah. Um, But that takes an ego swallowing to realize yes. that giving up that power is ultimately what leads you to make your own decisions. Yeah. And uh yeah, that's a scary thing to give to what is ultimately a stranger. Yeah. And if I had a past experience where I almost became a murderer because <laughs> of a fucking crazy therapist, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that again. Yeah. And that, that would be terrifying. That's
2: it. It's it that the guys in his movies just double down on like the worst parts of their nature, because they're unwilling to to step back and and ask for help. Really, you know, mm-hmm. like e- even both characters and Heat are very much like that. Like that diner conversation is very much about like, I I know I could stop it. I know I could stop chasing you, but I have to chase you. Mm-hmm. And I know I could stop giving you a reason to chase me, but I, I have but to keep I have doing to. that. I, I I've already committed to this terrible you know series of decisions I've made I'm just going to double down that's the only way I can see mm-hmm. out and I think that's kind of uh, now that we're talking about this I mean that's kind of typical of men it's like I- I'm just going to double down until I find
0: the light at the end of the tub- tunnel mm-hmm. yeah. only way out is through when it's yeah. like no actually there's like 10 you, ways yeah up, you could take a step back but you just got to lift your head back up yeah. you know, and yeah. stop grinding yeah, yeah. even yeah. A, a, a smaller moment in Heat that works like that is Val Kilmer's character I believe is he the one that shoots the guards during that first heist Oh, no, but I, um, uh, I forget who it was. It's a guy it. that they hired. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. that's But the whole thing is like he went there and he wanted to kill somebody yes. and you knew it. Yeah. And when they're not listening to him, one of the other guys he's doing the heist with is like, do you see that blood in their ears? They can't hear you. Yeah. Because we just blew them yeah, up. Yeah. But he gets that look in his eye. He's looking at him and then just, nope, I'm going to execute all yep. of them. Why? Because that's what he wanted to do. That's that day. what I came here to do. And it's like your way out was to finish the job and leave, and then you fucked it up yep. because you could not see any other way. Yep. You know, you you took this job not for the money, for yes. the what are they bonds? You yeah, took, yeah, I you think that's the, right. uh, Yeah, they had to get uh, bonds out of it. Yeah, he, he took it because he wanted to. You know. Yeah. We see it with. There's sometimes you see a cop. They took that job not because they wanted to fight crime. They took that job because they wanted to kill somebody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they wanted to get drunk on power. The, the power itself. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Man, that's so interesting.
0: Man. Man. Michael mm-hmm. Mann yeah. Hunter. Yeah. Man, man, um, man, 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 man. No, no, you said you did some research on this. I do just got any? a cool, uh, I got a whole lot of facts. Yeah, what do you got? Hit so, me with So you ready them. for this? This yeah. is just an interesting thing. Uh, when Brian Cox was playing Hannibal Lecter, Anthony Hopkins was at the National, uh, the National Theater playing King Lear. Whoa. But at the time when Anthony Hopkins was playing Hannibal Lecter, Brian Cox was playing King Lear at the National it's Theater. It's so
2: interesting that those guys are so... Compa- I, mean, I wouldn't compare them but necessarily, both except good. that they... Yeah. And I bet
0: they can read some motherfucking Shakespeare. Yeah.
2: Have they ever been in a movie together? That would be a harder thing to look up, but I'm... I can't think
0: of any. There is a function on IMDb where you can do that. Oh, really? You can just so. match two people up? I mean, there's there's a lot of people that were connected. I mean, like Brian Cox connects to Edward Norton through the Bourne series. Right, yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, well, you know, I probably have written down. Oh, yeah, this is a, a funny one. Tom Noonan, the yes. tooth fairy, yep. uh, purposefully avoided all of the other cast members. So that way when they were in a room together there would just be an a, you know an unfamiliarity and yeah, discomfort. Yeah. Uh, the only other time I read of an actor doing that was the guy who played Locke on Lost. Oh. He never went out to party with the cast. Terry Quinn, Terry Quinn because yeah. his character was always the one that acted above or separate from everybody yeah. or enlightened, yeah. which I love the fact that he never got his enlightenment. Yeah. It's cruel but yeah. it's it's yeah. a very interesting character in for him. Yes, I agree. Um let's see. Oh, yeah. So I thought this was kind of interesting. I'm a big true crime fan. Yeah. Brian Cox said that he based his uh, character, the way he portrayed him, on two things. One, his own 15-year-old son Oh, because of the glee that he takes in doing okay. bad things, Okay, but also on a serial killer that was executed named Peter Manuel. He was Scottish. And uh, Peter Manuel sort of became notable because I believe it was in the late 50s. And it was about that time where the psychological conversation was like, we have to dig deeper than good egg, bad egg. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. We have to try and figure out the why of this. Yeah. And that's to me, is why I'm so fascinated with true crime. Mm-hmm. But as a result, there is more media available of this guy you know, there's just more writings about yeah. him. There's probably some film reel about him yeah. just because they were trying to figure out what his deal was. They really were investing. Brian there. Cox based it on that. Wow. Um, this is just a weird little thing. The French title of this movie. Yeah. The Sixth Sense. Wait, for real? For real. Oh. Yeah. And that kind
2: of makes sense. It makes sense, yeah. right? Yeah. It
0: is that it it is about our intuition. Yes. Um and that I mean that, that is our sixth sense. I mean, it's not there's no way to uh, uh, what's the word, quantitatively prove that. Right. But we do have a sixth sense. You know when someone's behind you. Will operates on that almost completely. Almost entirely. And it's when he goes and sits in the tree that he can observe and just kind of feel it out. Um, I learned this recently. Uh, They teach uh, people that are in camouflage in the military to never look directly at your target. You're not allowed to look directly at your target. Because your eyes? Not because of your eyes, but because... Have you ever just felt someone staring at you? Oh, uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. You, and you can do it. I've done it before where you're just looking at a crowd and you go, I'm going to make that person look at me. Yeah. And then they do. It yeah. always happens. Interesting. What is that? That yeah. is the sixth sense. And so when you are staking someone out, when you're a sniper, yeah, you are to look past them. You're to yeah. look at their shoulders. You're never to engage them directly because yeah. this inexplainable human bond, this collective just, I don't want to say, I mean, I guess it's collective subconscious just becomes, a thing, you know, Yeah, we had that, Said they did a study once, this blows my mind, once again, correlative, sure. not causative, yep. but worth noting, where they took, and actually I learned about this, they talk about this in uh, Waking Life, Okay, but uh, I read it up, read up on it, it was a real experiment, they took the New York Times crossword puzzle, mm-hmm. and they took today's crossword puzzle, and they put it out there, and oh, people did it. decently yep. well, they took tomorrow's crossword puzzle, put it out there, people did decently well. They did yesterday's crossword puzzle. People did that much better. And the suggestion is because the answers are sort of just out there there in the ether, we are all tuned into it. But it's that sixth sense that we're speaking to here that it's just, you know, when you see someone, you go, they're up to no good. Well, what evidence do you have? I don't have any, but I can just smell it on them. That's a real phenomenon.
2: It's that like when you hear a new word for the first time and then suddenly for the next week, you hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I've never heard that word before.
0: And now everyone around me is using that everyone word. Everyone uses it. And yeah. it's like, there's a million reasons for that, but yeah. maybe you're just more attuned to it. Right. But even so, it's just... it's the, the. I mean, that stupid book, The Secret, that's what it's yeah. based on. It, yeah. it it exploits coincidences to try and suggest that that's a way to manifest reality right. in your life. Whatever. I, I'm not going to harsh yeah. on yep. it. I, I think positive thinking is powerful, yes. and for that, I give yeah, yeah, this, yeah. The Secret a pass. But it's a... Uh, it's. That is a thing. And I think this movie is about that, just feeling that intuition. Um, yeah. Even Joan Allen's character, she is blind, but her thing is she has to feel this sensory, yeah. you know, sort of thing. Oh, that great scene with the tiger. Holy shit. That re- and that's a real tiger yeah. too. Um, I don't necessarily know what they're going for there as right. opposed to just suggesting that she is hanging out near a, uh, Sufficiently for the moment, subdued danger. Right, you know it's a parallel to yes. she is the the drug that is keeping the tooth fairy at bay while mm-hmm. he's pursuing this romance. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's not enough, but right. you know that kind of a thing. But yeah. she is someone who is missing a sense, yeah. and thus has to intuit more. It's, yeah, it, yeah, it's all so out interesting. Of the movie. Yeah, so the sixth sense is yeah. a valid. That's title. That's a really good that. title, actually. A couple other people Please. that were uh, tapped potentially to play Hannibal Lecter. Okay. Uh, Brian Dennehy. Oh, okay. He couldn't do it. Told Michael Mann to go see a play that Brian Cox was in. That's how that happened. Wow. The Bryans. They're just keeping each other's alive. Bruce Dern. So the the, B, the BD crew. Dude, I Brian love Denny. Bruce Dern. John Lithgow. Oh, he Who ultimately, yeah. yep. in season four of Dexter, gets to play that a little yep. bit. yep. Mandy Patinkin, Whoa. who I think would have fucking crushed. That would have, owned, that would have been so Are you crazy. ready for this one? Yeah. William Friedkin. I thought you were going to say Cesar Romero. No, nope, no. <laughs> my grandfather was stationed on the same boat as him in World War II. Whoa. Yep. Uh, William Friedkin. That's crazy. The director really? himself. Yeah. Has he acted in other things? I think he might even be in this movie as just like oh, a okay. cab driver yeah, or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, Chris Elliott is in this movie. Yes, yeah, Chris Elliott, <laughs> and um, um, was it? Oh no, Margaret Cho was in a in oh, oh, a face right? off. Was, yes, was yeah. the, the, there was someone else though that was in that, I can't that room. Remember. I know there
2: was. We recognized. But I mean, there was else. Stephen Lang, yes, who looks like right. a completely different I, person. I have no idea it was
0: Stephen Lang. He's buffer and crazier looking now. He just looked like a schmooze there, yeah. but he ends up being completely on fire. Yeah, yeah. are you ready for this? Yeah. Now here is the people who could have played uh, Will Graham. Okay, it's gonna blow your mind. Yeah, Don Johnson, not a surprise okay. because yeah, he's yeah, from he's Miami Vice. Yeah, Paul Newman which I would Whoa. have loved to see yeah. probably would have been older. Yeah. Um, yeah. But which I think it actually wouldn't have worked as well because he was older, but Newman's a beast. Yeah. Done yeah. It. Mel Gibson. Whoa. That, which I, mean, I think could have worked at I know. the time, but I mean, he
2: does kind of go on to play similar ish characters he's
0: too. And this is going to sound really funny. He's too crazy. Yeah. Um, that, that I, was my thought. Yeah, he would have become a little bit too much for yeah. that character, I think. Richard Gere, who I think would oh, have been a fantastic choice. I think he would have been great. Be ready for this one. This is the most interesting one of all. And I would love to see this, uh, but I, I don't know if it would be good, bad, or great. Jeff Bridges. Whoa. Because Jeff Bridges, Tron Jeff era. Bridges. I totally see. Yeah, Jeff Bridges keeping warm Chipotle mayo in his mouth at all times <laughs> now. Uh, I don't see so right. much, but he's talented enough to yeah. do it. A brooding Jeff Bridges would be pretty interesting, I think. I would like to see him across from Cox doing that sort yeah. of interplay. I thought that would be kind of cool. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And another thing that someone pointed out, now this was just an IMDb fact, um, Molly says to Will at one point, time is luck. Yep. Which Macaulay says to Eddie in, uh, in Heat, and Isabella says to Sonny in Miami Vice. Wow. So time is luck is the thing. I don't know what that means. Time is luck. I mean I think the the only thing I can get like, from that is I mean the idea is, is that luck would make sense to me. Well I'm thinking in terms of like time is finite, we will run out. Right. So you're lucky to have some. Yeah. But I, I don't really know how that applies. Yeah, I, I didn't have enough time at work to think about it. I was going to say,
2: I, I feel like I'd have to watch these movies with that in mind and sort of look for the context of those lines mm-hmm. within the movie, you know, to, mm-hmm. to to parse that out a little more. But that's very interesting that I mean, he put it in three of his movies.
0: In this movie, it applies to the Tooth Fairy Kills on Full Moons. Yeah. And one of the difficult things that their procedural had to do was like, they when they ran into a roadblock, it was, well we just got to wait for him to kill again. Yeah. It's the only way right. we'll get the information we need. And, right. like, that sucks. Yeah. And it's just... It, I've been listening to this great podcast called Atlanta Monster okay. about, like, child killings in the 70s. Okay. And that's one of the news reports that they keep playing is the only way we're going to catch the Atlanta Monster is if he kills again. Whoa. And, like, that is a shitty situation what a to be horrifying, yeah. But at the same time, the day after they kill somebody, you're lucky because now you have a moon cycle. Yeah. And to figure out, you know, based on right. this, this evidence. Right, yeah. And so there it applies. In Heat, I mean, I guess, you know, t- time is, is key when you're trying to escape a crime, you yeah. know? The, the more distance between you and the crime, the more chance you'll get away, but, yeah, you know. And then Miami Vice, I, I don't remember that movie too yeah, much. Yeah, I haven't so, seen yeah. that movie, actually. I remember hating it, but I know it's now beloved and right. I would like to watch it again, Yeah. now having actually seen the show Miami Vice.
2: And I have a feeling part of its beloved now thing is like, We were of an age where we were probably, because of when that movie was made and coming out, it was kind of targeted at us. Yeah, we thought it was going to be cool. We didn't have context for Michael Mann
0: or Mm -hmm. what he was doing. I had never seen Miami. I was familiar with Miami Vice, but I didn't realize that it was... It was a melodramatic, right. you know, pink leisure suit yeah. uh, uh, crime drama. Yeah. You know, like it was a th- soap opera. I think and watching
2: through. it now in the context of, oh, I'm a Michael Mann fan now.
0: Mm. I'm a man fan. Oh, uh, yeah. And I, it's Jamie Foxx and Colin Farrell. Yeah. That's really good cast. Like,
2: I, I think I would probably be able to appreciate whatever was going on there, uh, where at the time, I, you know, it was kind of dismissed and probably because they just didn't direct it at the right audience, mm-hmm. you know? I remember
0: one, and it was also, this was like when Jamie Foxx was fresh Oscar winner, right. super hot. Yep. Uh, Colin Farrell was like becoming weird. Yes. Like people were understanding that he's not just some Irish hunk that yeah, we're putting yeah. in whatever we can do. Yeah. He's not just the recruit. And he's the best when he's weird. Yeah. He's the, Oh, he's great when he's, he's yeah. brilliant when yeah. he's weird. They have one line in it that I remember, and I remember scoffing at. And now in hindsight, I go, oh man, I, I think this might be the best line in the movie. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Foxx is just like, let's do it. Let's take it to the limit. And then he responds one more time. And like that is, but now that I know Michael Mann, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that makes yeah, perfect sense. That's, that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. That's not retarded. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, I think that's all the notes that I oh yeah. I this is something that I learned uh somewhat recently from a mental floss article that yes. just kind of blows my mind. It's not about this movie. Okay. It is about Hannibal Lecter, though. Okay. He says to uh to Clarice that he ate his nurse's liver with fava beans and a nice Chianti. Yes. Fava beans and Chianti have a deadly reaction with MAOI medication. So MAOI inhibitors, which are like uh, medicines for mental disorders. Okay. So when he was saying, I had a meal that had I been taking my meds would have killed me. He's just smartly saying... Oh, I don't take my meds. Yeah, wow. I didn't take my meds. I ate that lady because I was off my meds. Whoa. Yeah. And like, that is such a brilliant, loaded Whoa. line that we all know just because. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His But really, it's so smart because he was just telling her, like, yeah. oh, no, I rejected all the meds. Yeah. I like being crazy.
2: And that, you know, that might be what is so fascinating about his interpretation mm. of Hannibal Lecter. And that's partly comes from the writing of that movie. Is, um, he doesn't say anything directly, you know. Mm-hmm. He he's he's a he is literally a master manipulator in a way that we understand from uh, Cox's version's actions. Mm-hmm. But not so much from the way he's presenting himself and the way he presents information. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is kind of I think what might be fascinating about Hopkins' version of the character.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. And one thing I noticed that both versions did was when Clarice came in, yes. he commented on uh, her perfume, yes. And when Will came in, Brian Cox says, "That's the same uh, aftershave you were wearing That's when right. you arrested me." Like he makes that same thing. He's oriented. and it he's detail oriented, but it also suggests like. He he's very smart. He remembers those yes. things, and he's now isolated. So these things pop up. Also, he's a hunter, right? He's, he's a hunter looking for scent. The and scent when of Will prey. goes, oh, I have all these documents. I know you want to look at them. And he's like, well, maybe I'll give you information. He's like, nope, I'm out of here. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you a little information. Yeah. And like, he's he is a hunter. He's yeah. giving a little bit, yeah. giving chase. You know, yeah. reeling it in. later yeah. He's fishing. Yeah. yeah,
2: so good, so good. I really liked Manhunter. I, I, did too. I was like pretty high on this movie.
0: I think this is. I mean, I I like Silence of the Lambs quite a bit. Yeah, um, I think I've actually seen Manhunter more. Yeah, uh, just because I like the tone of it. I I don't I don't think I'm in a position to say which one's better. Sure, but um, I think this is as good. I certainly, for me,
2: like just the uh, again the the aesthetic kind of like look and feel. Like Manhunter's way more my thing than mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs is. Sons of the Lambs is a, a just such a fucking well-considered oh, yeah. movie that it, it's... Yeah, killer Ted Levine. You got Jodie Foster, never not crushing it. Yeah, that, I mean, it's a great movie, but I, I definitely prefer the sort of feel of a Michael Mann movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I could probably watch Manhunter a hundred times before I even think to watch Silence of the Lambs again. Mm-hmm. But that's not actually to make a comparative oh, there's quality no compar- thing. You it's know? apples it's, and oranges. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. only
0: connective tissue is that the source material is the yep. same author. Yep. And we should note that Hannibal Lecter in... And this is interesting, too, to show how tied into the movies uh, Thomas Harris ultimately became. Uh, you know, the book Hannibal was written with the screenplay that I right. believe he co-wrote um he wrote the screenplay for Hannibal Rising okay. and the book you know with one another yep. same thing Cormac McCarthy did with uh, No right. Country yep. um the um uh, oh yeah Hannibal Lecter spelled L E C K T O R mm-hmm. in the book of Red Dragon but by the time The Silence of the Lambs book came out it's L E C T E R yeah. and that book did predate the movie okay but like i, I don't know whether he wrote them in conjunction i don't right. think he did but it was close enough that like he 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 adapted to the changes brought by the movie yeah. from the you know from his source yeah, material. That's fascinating. He abandoned his own lore to, right. you know, uh just work handed to quid pro quo with the uh, <laughs> with the movies. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so we, good stuff. Yeah, I I really like this movie. I I, I, don't I think I have anything. I before. still
2: thief is my my go to here with, with Mr. Man. Um and while we're talking about uh Manhunter, Dan and I were trying to come up with A list for this movie. Mm. And Dan had a great suggestion based on the finale of this movie.
0: The finale of this movie has a needle drop. Yes. In that, in order to disorient the blind woman, and also probably just because he's all fucked up, (laughs) uh, uh, Dollar Hyde puts on, uh, yes, Tom Noonan, Dollar Hyde, Tooth Fairy... He puts on Inagata DeVita, yes. uh, Iron, Iron Butterfly. Butterfly. Inagata DeVita, which is a notoriously long song with yep. a notorious uh, uh, synthesizer hook yep. and a very, very long drum, drum solo. solo. So it's meant to be this kind of uh, raucous wall of sound it's sort of relentless. Thing. Yeah. It's relentless. And so it is diegetic. It's in the scene yep. and it is meant to disorient her, but it also fuels the thing. And so we started thinking about. What needle drops yeah. are some of our favorite needle drops? Yes, now, and I don't so know that's that what our list is going to be.
2: I don't know that all of mine are diegetic. Did you hit that?
0: I have a mix. Okay, I do um, too. I have one, two, three diegetic, and two that are just soundtrack entries. Yes. and then I have one honorable mention that I that I'll just do later. It's not diegetic, and uh, I. It almost doesn't fit the rules, so I just didn't. Okay, didn't do it. But cool. Yeah.
2: So yeah, we wanted to do our favorite needle drops because uh, just to give one last note on Manhunter, that's a fucking amazing needle it's drop. It's great. That whole finale, I think, is great. I mean, it is the thickest the cheese is in mm. that movie. But in the best way. I mean, that's what I want from that movie at that point. I, I'm mm. so
0: comfortable to have it be you you get so that great operatic. moment where it's muffled through the window, yeah. and then when he bursts through the glass, you get you just that bam, out. bam, yeah, it's, it's it's
2: bam, so bam, it's, bam, bam. It's so yeah, perfect. It, it's so good. It's so operatic, it, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I And love it's it. a
0: long song, so based on it, I don't know if it actually lines up, but I'd be willing to bet that since it cuts away to other scenes, yeah. that it probably follows the time code of the song pretty perfectly. Because oh, we're in real time yeah. by the end of that. Yep. And that song I want to say is like 12 minutes it's long. Pretty long. It's a beast. Yep. And so it's it's just a great choice. Yep. And it really, really works. It fucking works. And it's it's a somewhat I mean, it's a rocking song, but it it has a haunting quality it's, to it. it yeah, uh, I was gonna say it's like gloomy. It's gloomy. Does that seem like and right? the the this isn't confirmed, but everyone—it's called "In a De Vida, Right. but the suggestion is that he's mumbling the words in the Garden of Eden, oh. and so it has sort of religious overtones. Yeah. And since Red Dragon is, uh, his name is based on a, a religious painting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that it's a—it's a, a, a neat thing.
2: Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna do our top five needle drops. Uh, I I kind of have mine ordered. now you know I don't I don't like to do like the the order thing that
0: much. But, I know what um, my number one is, so we yeah, I, I know what my number one is too. So I, well, I always end up getting the number one slot. So we're gonna give it to, I'm gonna go first. Okay, go. Cool. So you can do get it. the number yeah. one slot for once. So this one I'm just gonna do quick because I've talked about it on this show before. Yeah. Um, this is the needle drop that made me do a 180 on the musical artist entirely. If you remember in Zoolander, uh. Uh, Hansel refers to Sting. He yeah, says, like, "I like Sting. I don't really like his music, but the fact that he makes it is, re- and that's how I've always felt about Neil Young. Yes. And it always blew my mind that that." They captured in a silly moment how I felt about Neil Young. I always respected his music and all that. Now I love Neil Young. I dug in deep after A Quiet Place. Yeah. In A Quiet Place, I there's a scene choice. where they share headphones in their silent world uh-huh. and listen to Harvest Moon, which is perhaps the most romantic song I can think of. <laughs> it, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And it's such a great moment. It's so well-earned in that it's such a great just soft pulsing of the brakes in the middle of a relentless movie. And, I mean, it, it just dry, floors you. It, yeah. it really worked for me. Made me like Neil Young's music more than I ever did. Made me view it in another way. That's that's just a needle drop. Yeah, I love it. So, yeah, Harvest Moon in a Quiet Place. So my first
2: one, I'm going to start uh, threading a needle here that I, I realize I have through some of these, right? Okay. So the first one I have is... Huey Lewis in the News, Power of Love,
0: from Back to the Future. <laughs> that one goes from soundtrack to diegetic. <laughs> to diegetic. It's one of the things I love about it. But it's just too loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the things I love about it,
2: that it goes from soundtrack to diegetic. But the thing I really love about it, and this is where I'm going to start threading this needle, is one of my favorite uses of needle drops is introducing you to the setting and tone of a movie. Mm. Uh, and the Power of Love kicks off, I'm pretty sure, right as... Uh, Marty,
0: like, leaves Doc's garage yeah, that he's yeah. for some he reason He on his skateboard in. to go to school. Yeah. Well, because he has the amps there, and he likes to plug in his yeah. guitar. Yeah. That's why he's there, yeah. blow himself up. Yep. Uh, and, <laughs> so, dun,
2: and, dun. Yeah. and so
0: he starts, like, you know, <laughs> skitching to work on the back of, uh, yep. skitching
2: to school in the back of the, the truck, and you get the whole thing where he walks into school, and he's a little late, and his girlfriend's telling him, you can't be late again, because Strickland will yell at you, mm-hmm. and then he gets yelled at by Soccer. Strickland. Yeah. Uh, And then he ends up having to go to his audition for the Battle of the Bands, where he then rips a solo in the middle of "Power of Love." Suddenly, it becomes diegetic, and he gets told it's too loud. We get the whole by
0: by Huey Lewis himself. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) we
2: get the whole layout of the town town square as he goes through that thing, um, which is obviously plays a huge part in that movie. Um, We we get the clock tower, we get the school. It's I love when movies take one song and go almost the entire length of the song. To just set the scene, mm-hmm. this is what this movie. And it's
0: thematically appropriate yep. too. Power his of parents' love. love exists in his world. Yep. And in going back in time, he he uh, ruins the moment where that love is catalyzed. Yep. And He knows that it can happen because it's fated. Yes. Um, but he ruined fate's plan and has <laughs> to. He has to rekindle the power of yeah. love. That's so good. It's so great. And it- then, oh, and and I love too that his mom loves him. Yes. Not knowing that. Her love for him is maternal yes. until she kisses him and then realizes, "Oh, that's weird." Yeah. And it's yeah. just some fucked up, yeah. crazy universal thing. I love that movie. Uh, but and yeah, honestly, so. if ever a th- I mean, short of the the Back to the Future score, yes, that song is like universally associated as the theme to Back to the yep. Future. Uh, nobody hears that song and doesn't think of that movie. I don't think people
2: even remember that there's a whole other big Huey Lewis song in that movie, which has got to go back in time. Oh, yeah. And, back
0: in time. Which is a great song, too, but yeah. Power of
2: Love is the one that just like, dun, and I thi- I, lo- I really think dun, dun. it's partly the hook, but it's because the, it, the whole movie is
0: introduced to us with yeah. the Power of Love. That's so cool. Yeah. That's a good one. I didn't even consider that. Yeah. That's a really good one. All right. Um. So the next one, and I really should look up who it's by because I know that it's a cover of a Motown song. But don't let me be misunderstood. During the fight scene in the snow between Beatrix Kiddo. Oh yes. And um, why am I struggling oh, to remember oh, her uh, name? Uh, Orenishi. Orenishi. Yep. Um, that song is awesome. Yeah. Um. Oh, I it, totally forgot about that. It's so good. It's such a hard needle drop. Yeah. And it's a song that you don't think would ever go with a fight scene. Yep. But we just watched an aggressively dynamic fight scene. Yep. And this one's not. Yeah. This is a patient, slow, artistic fight scene yep. that takes place in this crazy, snowy Japanese garden that makes no sense to its existence. It's got <laughs> the little... Yeah. 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 Of the, the yeah. water thing. But as soon as they put their swords in the snow and it starts, that song starts with the... Yeah. Oh, uh, oh that's you know, right. clapping, yeah. Danana, And it just slowly builds up. So good. And it becomes like a disco song. I I want to. Cre- oh no, it's uh, I remember it's Santa Esmeralda. Okay. It's a cover of the song by. That's not Spotify. That's Letterboxd That's
2: fine. While you look it up, I'll just give a quick shout out to one of my thoughts about this was I was going to uh, the Six Seven Eights or whatever that band is called. Five Six Seven Eights. Yeah, the Five Six Seven Eights. Oh, I've- the Animals did the original. The Animals. One. Okay. The Animals. Yeah. yeah. I, that was one of the things I was going to put on the list was the Crazy Eighty Eight Fight. Nice. Set to the five, six, seven, eight. So good. Yeah.
0: yeah. Ooh ooh. Yeah. And oh uh, there I have a, a record from uh Third Man's uh, Third Man Records yep. where they uh they do like all of the single or uh, the singles that they release throughout yeah. the year and the five, six, seven, eights have two songs on it and they fucking rip. I bet like, they rip so yeah. good. So good. There's these grimy little lady yeah. screaming. Dude, it's that's a stuff.
2: fucking great choice. I didn't even think about that.
0: That song should I say this on the... I'll say it on the air. Yeah. That song has a special place in my heart because back in the day uh-huh. when me and my buddies would do Ecstasy, <laughs> the two songs that always came on first were Chicago's 25 or 624 <laughs> and Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. I love it. Because they're both very energetic, oh, yeah. but not like, you know, techno energetic. No, yeah, 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 And they're just, they're just damn good tunes, like yeah. well-constructed, and they're long as fuck Yeah, so you don't have to be like, oh, what song's next? What song's next? You know? I love it. To clarify, I have done that maybe twice oh, ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not, I'm oh, not trying I, to advertise. Nope. I, it was actually, to tell you the truth, it was fun, but bang for its buck, not worth it. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway.
2: Yeah, no, I, I I like that. I, I actually love telling drug stories because I very much feel the same for the most part, where it's yeah. like, there's no need to do them for the most part. Bang for its buck, nothing yeah. beats weed. Yeah, yeah. And it's like not harmful. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think it's uh, yeah I don't know I, th- I think drug stories are worth telling uh, alright so here's another
0: that's so good so good baby yeah oh, that's so a, good oh, and man. it has that great because they fight and then it has this long musical interlude yes um, where the claps start to come back yep. and it's when they realize like we're evenly matched and one of us is gonna one die one of us is going like, down that's, yep. and then boom that scalp that movie scalp rules so fucking good oh god uh, that okay. fifteen-year-old movie is so fucking good.
2: It's, I know. Uh, I rewatched it recently. Actually, it, fuck that movie. Holds it's so up. good. It's great. Um, okay, so this is another establishing song. Okay, it's the first thing that happens in Beverly Hills Cop. The heat is on by oh, Glenn Frey, yes! and this is one of those classic things that you never see in any movie in movies anymore. We're not introduced to any characters. We're not even introduced to any locales that we're gonna be in for the rest of the movie it is just establishing shots of detroit mm-hmm. that's all it is while glenn campbell's the heat is on plays cuz it's summer in the city it's summer in the city yep. and it's like you're just watching like um, it basically takes you through all of these different neighborhoods in detroit and you're kind of looking at like you know you're seeing like the automotive industry which is what detroit is known for but you're also seeing how broken detroit is outside of that automotive industry it ultimately establishes Axel's character without having to introduce us to Axel. You yes, know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Cuz it doesn't take place in Detroit. Right. He has to go to Beverly Hills. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's it, cool. Yeah. So it's it's
2: uh I I think it's actually a really great use of a needle drop. It's also cuz I just love that song. It's such a cheesy weird song.
0: It's so funny to me that sax line is yeah, But that's a, that gets you going though for oh, yeah. a movie that is very, very funny. Yes. And like really leans on I mean Eddie Murphy was like 20 in that. I know he's really so leans on his energy, yep. which is I mean I mean that, that's a funny movie script wise, yes. but like that movie runs on his it's energy. All in his performance. And the heat is on, and that riff specifically. Yep. Nobody's nobody's not, you know, feeling a little pumped from that.
2: Well, and it's I don't know if you remember, but that song starts with this weird synth sound. It's like
0: so it's like it literally is like ramping up
2: into that movie you know it's it's so good and i miss when movies would do that when a a movie taking place in new york would just open on three minutes of establishing shots Mm -hmm. of new york sounds boring because you're not getting into the movie and i get why filmmakers don't do it anymore because you kind of do just want to like get in. I kind of like that. Like well, we
0: don't do opening credits anymore. Right, yeah. and, like, that's like an opening credits thing. Yeah, stint.
2: I like that build into a movie,
0: establishing some tone, you know, before yeah. you get there. I feel like Ninja Turtles is the last one I remember. I, <laughs> I think of that all the time, yeah. <laughs> that's why, and, and even that like wasn't actually New York, it was like Tokyo. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, that's so a good yeah. one. Glenn Fry, heat is on. This one, I wonder if it's on your list. This one is diegetic to the scene, and I just love it because they use it for such a good gag. But uh, in Shaun of the Dead, it's not. Go uh, ahead. Don't stop me now. Yep, the Queen song. They get a couple good gigs out of it because, uh, sorry, gags out of it. <laughs> yeah, because one, this is the Queen moment. Got a lot when, of good gigs out of it. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, the. Uh, this is this is when Sean sort of becomes the action hero he's meant to be. He does yeah. that thing where he falls on his back and like swings his legs to stand up yes. and it's slop because yeah. he's like embracing like he's finally found meaning in his life. Yeah. But as they're all hitting the now zombified bartender yes. with their, their sticks, they don't even realize it but they're hitting him to, to the, the beat to the and when they do the no 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 yeah. no no explode they're hitting to that yep. and that's just a funny gag and then you get that great line of kill the queen when and things get serious. they gotta pull the plug on the uh, yeah, yeah, It's yeah. so good It's just a great gag yep. And for a filmmaker who's very aware of the music he uses That is like as on the nose as it gets Without yep. being on the nose Agreed. It's brilliant Well, uh, if you don't mind, I'll tag you back Yeah, tag And you I'll back, give y'all.
2: you another opening song That sets the tone lets you know exactly what the movie is Get you in on the characters he Is actually diegetic in this case It's uh, Bill Bottoms from uh, yes, uh, Baby Driver, uh, by the Bell Bottoms. Yeah, John Spencer Blues Explosion. So good. It is still. I'm it, gonna
0: tell you about these Bell Bottoms. Uh, it's, oh, it's one so of my good.
2: favorite sequences in a movie. Period. It, it blew my mind when that movie came out. I love that opening sequence so much. I, I gotta rewatch that again. I've seen it twice
0: ever and. Dude, fucking loved it both times.
2: I I have watched on YouTube just that like six minute
0: opening so many times. Oh, that's gonna be film school material in the future, without a doubt.
2: It's unfucking real. Once you because I had never heard that song before that movie, mm. and that song is great. It's really fun. I've listened to that song a bunch, separate from the movie now, mm. and I've seen that sequence a bunch of times. It is fucking bananas. How much visual information. Is imitating the musical information. Oh yeah, like way and more, that song's got a lot of musical yes, information. That's like a hefty song. Way more than you realize your first, second, third, even mm-hmm. fourth time watching it. The more you listen to that song and the more you watch that, even the lights on like the police cars, mm-hmm. if you really, really watch and you are familiar with that song and you know sort of the different melodies that are going on within it, they're blinking literally in sync with like That's some of so the melodic cool. material. It's so fucking crazy. I I love that song. I've grown to love that song from that movie. It's it is the perfect marriage of the things that I like on this list, right? We're establishing the tone of the movie, the setting, who the characters are. We're doing it all with a song. That song is diegetic to the movie, which is a big part of the movie that all the music is diegetic to what's happening. It's fucking it's like the
0: height of
2: a needle drop in movies. That, I mean, you that, know? that is the needle drop yeah. movie.
0: I can't even believe I didn't even think of right? using it, that. It, it was like Especially what came to my mind Hitting upon Sean of the Dead. Exactly. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. That's what That movie's so fucking good. It's so good. great. There's, um, there's a Michelle Gondry video. I don't know what song it's for. But it's like a techno-based song. Oh. And um, it's just... Is it
2: with the staircases and people going up and down and stuff? Oh, no, that's that's
0: That's around the world. Right, yeah, yeah. This one is just, it's out the window of a train. Okay. And so as things are passing by, they pass to the, you know, so as the drums are going by, there's, you know, telephone poles going by, just... Oh, cool! And as the oh, song builds up, more things go by. Yeah, and like there's even a part where like the music, like there's a break and then a drop, and the train's going through a tunnel. Oh, cool! And then when it comes out, and all the elements are yeah. there, and it's such a great like, <laughs> for lack of a better term, there's like an Aspergian attention <laughs> uh, attention to to just all the layers of the song. Like yeah. you're saying with the uh, John Spencer I gotta look that up. Trio. I've definitely seen that video. It's cool. Yeah, it's real cool. Gondry's really good at that. He's show. so good. Yeah. He's uh, he's on another level. Yeah. If him and Edgar Wright ever oh. do like a music video together, I mean they the, should. The singularity will occur. It is yeah, yeah it's
2: uh, Edgar Wright has actually directed a lot of good music videos. I mm-hmm. went on a fucking tear on YouTube one day and just watched like every He's got music some video good he directed. Stuff. There's some yeah. cool fucking music
0: videos he made. I wish he would do 'cause like the reason I know about the Michelle Gondry stuff is I bought that they yes, did so those there was DVDs. Criterion DVD, where it was like Spike Jones did yeah. one. Um oh, who's that guy who did all the crazy uh, uh Chris something I don't know I don't know but he did like all the crazy like Aphex twin things oh, and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. and Michelle Gondry did one and you know I like white stripes so it just kind of <laughs> yes, happened yeah, yeah. but if they did one for Edgar Wright would be the, the filmmaker I would want to nominate sure. to do a new one Um alright so here's one uh, this one is not diegetic, but I like the way it was used in Roger Avery's The Rules of Attraction. Oh, uh, what? great movie. I don't know if
2: I remember this. There's a
0: suicide scene. Oh, yeah. You remember that scene? Yes, and it's I to do. Harry Nilsson's Without You. Can't oh. live if living. Yeah. And she's literally killing herself. It's a character that was always on the sidelines. We see her in the yep. movie, but there's never the focal point on yep. her. We find out later, we see actually the moments that we've already seen in the movie where she's in the background coveting um, Sean Bateman's character and seeing him get into romantic situations when she actually wants Wants him. And so she kills herself to that music. It's a really... I mean, she's not listening to that music. We are. It's not diegetic. It is a really, really unsettling, horrifying scene. It's well done. But what's cool about it is as she's losing blood, the camera moves to above the tub and starts mm. rotating, and the song itself is mixed to start becoming more and more dissonant mm. until it just becomes noise. Mm. But it's also just like a really sad song. Yeah, I can't live if living is without you. Right, that is some depressing. <sighs> just this is what they were talking about in High Fidelity when he asked, "Are yeah. we depressed because we like hot pop music, or is pop, you we, know, or we or like however pop goes because, because we're, we're depressed. depressed?" That's yeah. it. And it is just—it's a really good needle drop, and I—it's a beautiful song, and I can't not think of that scene with that yeah, song. Yeah, wow, it's a great needle drop that you just reminded me of a needle drop that I didn't think of, uh, and now I
2: can't quite remember the song, but I think you'll—you'll you'll be able to pull it out as soon as I say it in Royal Tannenbaums, when Richie uh, uh, cuts his wrists. There is a—is it a uh, what song is I know that? There's that a lot there? of Nico
0: and Velvet Underground. That's what Underground. I think it is.
2: I think—I think it's one of them. And I can't remember now what song it is. And it's a great the needle song drop. only I'm in hearing that movie. is the these days. Right, but that's when she's that's, getting off the bus. Yeah, that's
0: the bus. And that's when. um, What's the bird's name? Oh, God. Mordecai? Mordecai. Go, Mordecai. Yeah. That's what I think of then. Oh, what song what was that? What song
2: is that? Because that's a great needle drop in that movie. And I just can't pull it. I think it's a Nico song.
0: Song from Suicide Scene <laughs> in royal. This is
2: why Dan and I are on a bunch of government lists, doing yeah, this show
0: and trying to figure things out. Uh, I don't know how I'm not fired from my work because I am always on Wikipedia, just looking at true crime shit, <laughs> it, just in the background. Because like sometimes I'm on hold, yeah. so I just read about like the zodiac. <laughs> needle in the hay. Needle, the hay. needle in the hay. Needle in the hay. Yeah, of yeah. course. So
2: it's not Nico. It's a uh, 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 what's his name?
0: Uh, Elliot Smith. Elliot
2: Smith. Yeah. yeah. Um, also a suicide. Yes. Yep. Uh, that's or some would job. say a murder. Yeah. That's right. Uh, That's a
0: great needle drop. I I fucking forgot about that until you brought that up. I will drop... Okay, and this just reminded me of two... I'm just going to throw my two honorable mentions out there because yes, my number it. one's so good. And I want to close with it. So my honorable mentions are, do you remember the montage at the beginning of Happy Gilmore? Yeah. Where he gives his background to Tuesday's Gone by Leonard Skynyrd. Oh, yeah. After the funeral. Yeah. It's just a really good version of that song. Yep. And all my life I had to argue with people that it was not Freebird. <laughs> that is not Freebird. That is Tuesday's Gone. It's a different song. <laughs> but speaking of Freebird, the closing scene to The Devil's Rejects. When oh, they yeah, go that's into right. a game of chicken yep. with the cops, yep. that's fatal. And they do it to they the whole do it song? do the whole song, but the guns come out during the rip and solo. Oh, yeah. And it's a really good usage of that song, yeah. if I remember correctly. But my number one... i got to give you my oh, number Oh, sorry, yes, your number two, I'm sorry. That's okay. I've got to hang myself. Well, that's because I did a fucking
2: way too long bit about ah, fucking right. uh, uh, Royal Yeah, uh, The Needle uh, in the Hay is a fucking good song. It, <laughs> it's a really good song. <laughs> a really good song. Uh, th- so this is, I think, actually diegetic, if I remember right, to this scene. Uh, it's not going to surprise you that I chose this movie for this list, and it's definitely one of my favorite moments in this movie. In The Guest, there's oh, the song yeah. Haunted When the Minutes Drag by Love and Rockets. That's
0: on the CD she makes for him, right? Yes. Yeah.
2: And I believe she puts That's her head... That's a good song. She like, it's after they go to that party together. Mm. They get home. She is clearly like kind of crushing on him for mm. this moment. And she lays down, puts her headphones on, and that song starts playing. Which has that. That song you know? is
0: so. I want to fuck to that song. That's it, a good fucking it's song. A great yeah. song.
2: <laughs> and then the camera goes as she's like laying down, and you're you're sort of going like, oh yeah, she's kind of crushing on this guy, and he was like pretty good to her at that party. Actually, he you know he like he saw how upset she was, and he read what was happening. He like read the scene, and he he was like, okay, I'm taking you home. You know, and they had that great conversation on the way home. And so you're kind of like all of a sudden you're in this weird moment in this movie. You're like is this what this movie is going to be about? Like, this budding relationship between this weird fucking guy that I still am afraid of for some reason mm-hmm. and this girl? And then the camera pans out the window of her bedroom as she's, like, smiling and listening to the song. And as it really gets into, like, what that song is, it pans around the house, and he's just sitting, like on his oh, bed yeah. half his face is dark half his face is bright light and you could just see that there's nothing behind yeah, his just eyes it's a complete and shell it's of a man haunted haunted
0: by your love oh that's so it's good and it's right when
2: the drums kick into that pow yeah.
0: it's such a fucking good use that song that's like the best soundtrack i've ever <laughs> uh, heard dude, in a movie. dude i so love good. that soundtrack it's great i'm going to watch that movie tonight it's oh it's I <laughs> I the most rewatchable movie ever cuz i've seen it like probably like 10 times now and every time i'm like i've probably seen this enough and then i watch it i'm like oh no it's perfect yeah it's 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 just it's it's a perfect perfect movie. Perfect movie, great. And I I just
2: love that scene and the use of that song in it. It's it's so good. good. And then I don't know if you remember, but it also ends with that just like eighties horror movie music. You just boom. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is another thing I love about that movie that there's just smash cuts every once in a while with that weird horror sound.
0: That's so good. (laughs) Oh man, Adam Wingard is just he's the best. uh, I have such a movie crush on him. I know, me too, man. Uh, that actually reminds me, this, uh, I'm, I'm going to cheat again. Please. I'm going to actually play a little bit of a song because oh, okay. this happened earlier this year. Um, I don't like the movie, the strangers. I think that it is a lazy garbage horror movie. That's yeah. just utter shit. I yeah. really don't like anything about it. The strangers too pray at night, uh, strangers pray at night. Doesn't really hold on to anything about the strangers except the masks okay. and the genre. Okay. Um, it's pretty good. It's a oh, pretty good cool. little slasher. But it's real that's all it is. Yeah, it's just yeah, a yeah. good little slasher. Yeah. And it starts with this song and it sounds like a Adam Wingardy throwback uh, yeah. sort of song and then it becomes you forget that this pop song has this intro. Oh, And then it's a diegetic moment but okay. it's used for the opening credits. So it. yeah, just listen to this. <laughs> Scary. Right? Yeah.
2: Can't wait for it to drop.
1: Looking out a dirty old window. Down below you know in yeah. the cards and city gone rushing by.
2: Oh my god. This is such a wind guardi thing.
0: And I wonder why. You know the poor first. Right? Oh yeah, it's so crazy how that immediately becomes a pop song. Kim Wilde's uh, "Kids in America," yes. And like when it started, I was like, "Oh, they're doing like a throwback thing. They put together like a John Carpenter soundtrack. Oh, this is a pop song from the '80s." (laughs) You know, like it was just a good needle drop that just popped in my head now. Well, and I mean, well, and that makes
2: sense because that's actually I think the thing that Wingard kind of specializes in is like finding those pop songs from the '80s that sound like a John Carpenter soundtrack. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, he's great at that.
0: Uh, all right, let's do number ones. My number one, and I can't believe I've, I've seen this movie oh three hundred times, and <laughs> I can't 300? believe it. Yes, <laughs> do you remember that one time when they played that song and <laughs> threw the pop song? No, um, do you remember in Halloween what song they're listening to in the car when they're driving to school? I do not. Don't fear the reaper.
2: Oh my god! Of course it is. It's
0: so good. Yes, they're listening to "Don't fear the reaper." Just as evil has descended upon this town, and they're clueless to yeah. it. And it's just—it's a very funny little needle drop. I love that. Don't fear the reaper. Who's, who, who did that song? Uh, is that um, Blue Oyster Cult? Blue Oyster Cult. Is that, I think is that's that in, right? I yes, can, I can find out.
2: Because that's the fucking—that's uh, the SNL sketch, right? About Blue Oyster. No,
0: that's um. Oh, wait, is it. I, I think, think it is. Yeah. the Reaper. And cowbell. A, yeah,
2: and a, a, uh cowbell. Yeah,
0: yeah. Blue Oyster Cult. Yep. <laughs> Last time I checked, we don't have a lot of songs that feature the cowbell. Yeah.
2: That honest to God, that's the only reason I know that that's by Blue Oyster yeah. Cult. Oh yeah, of that sketch
0: because of uh, Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, we all put our, le- our pants on one leg at a time, but when I do it, I make gold records. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cock and a walk, baby. Cock and a walk so good so good That's yeah great don't fear choice the reaper is what they're listening to like, in nancy's car as they're driving around during the day it's those it's before they're getting high it's when all yep. three of them are in the car yep and don't fear the reaper and it's comes one on. of those
2: touches of irony that yes. kind of like permeate through john carpenter movies that mm-hmm. i really like he's he's not he doesn't usually like to make a big joke but he'll make those little ironic kind you of like barely nods. hear it yeah. it's just
0: on in the car yep. they're and like you know it, that was a song that people knew. It's yeah. you know it, it barely because re- that when I saw when I watched it again recently for my new piece available in Philadelphia where I'll be going through all of the Jeez Halloween franchise. Me. He, um, I I just I've seen that movie so many times. Yeah, never once did I ever retain that there was a song in it that wasn't be do 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 do. Uh-huh. But that, that's the one real song. That's Don't so fear funny. the Reaper, I and totally it's it is that, that John Carpenter humor where he's yeah, just like ha-ha, Reaper. Ha-ha. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he lights up ten cigarettes yeah. and you know. Does yeah, his thing just plays two notes on a keyboard? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, that score is like Mwah! I know it's so good, it's so good.
2: Uh, okay, so my number one, uh, this uh, so this is something that uh, I only came to because of this show. I might never have watched Goodfellas before uh, we finally did for this. Oh, that has every song in it, it has every yeah. song <laughs> in it, but it has the greatest needle drop. I've, uh, this it immediately became one of my favorite scenes in any movie, and I think about it all the time. I send this gift to people all the time. The moment when Robert De Niro decides he's going to kill that guy. Oh yeah! When he's oh, at the bar yeah. and he lights up the cigarette and "Sunshine of Your Love" by Craig, bam, 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 bam. Wow, wow, oh, wow! That's just, so good. It's that slow it's presidential that zoom, slow push, boom. Uh,
0: and he's just he's smoking a cigarette, and you just see it in his face. I'm going to fucking kill that yeah, guy. The gears turn. Yeah. it's And that's the moment, too, because he was always the guy who was professional. Yep. He was the guy that, you know, what are you doing? What are yeah, You, you yeah, return it. Yeah. What are you doing? Yep. Don't spend your money. That was the moment where it was like, he's going to fuck up. Yep. His ego is going to get in the way. Yep. Yeah. It's I don't know what it is about that, but
2: it is just the perfect marriage of performance, needle drop, and and direction. The, the, just mm-hmm. that slow push on De Niro, that unbroken take, and just... He does such an interesting performance thing there. I mean, he's just smoking a cigarette. You and I are literally saying, "Oh, that's when he decides to kill that guy." That's mm. never said out loud. Mm-mm. We just know that that's what's this happening. Is good storytelling, so good. Yeah,
0: that song too has sort of a same like similar tonal feel too in a Gata Divina. Yes, it has that like crunchy, sinister about it. It has a little bit of the brown sound on the guitar. There's yeah. like the yeah. There's something there. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's, I fucking, that's one of my favorite scenes, like, in a movie. Uh, I, I just it's love so that good. scene. Yeah.
0: We got to do an episode on Casino. I think oh, you'll I like would that quite to. a bit. That's a, that one's three full hours. Woo! every every moment is gold yeah. though it's so but, good you
2: know that so my dad is like not really into like violent movies he like hates <laughs> is that another one violence. he watches at a distance <laughs> he loves that movie yeah that's nice. like the one movie i taught where i'm like i know you don't really like violence. he'll always go like well you know i do like casino i'm really into casino he, <laughs> you know <laughs> is yeah. that what your dad sounds like <laughs> not really <laughs> <laughs> I, I was really excited yeah. that he sounded like that. not really he i think he pretty much sounds like me i'm Fair very enough. similar to my dad yeah my dad sounds like me or yeah. i guess more, More correctly, I sound yeah. like him, yeah. yeah. Uh, but
0: uh, yeah, that's like the one like, hyper-violent movie that he's like, ooh, but I like Casino. <laughs> you yeah, know? I mean, Casino is... Fucked up yeah, violent. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that dads think that mean Joe Pesci is funny. Re- I know. they. I it. remember when I was a kid, uh, one of the movies my dad took me to see was Home Alone. Because uh-huh. it was one where like my sister had her friend sleeping over for her birthday. Sure. So they just wanted to get Gotta her get little him. brother yeah. out of the house. Yeah. So he took me to see Home Alone. And I remember for weeks after it, he just kept talking about how funny Joe Pesci was. You <laughs> wouldn't expect it from Joe Pesci's yeah. kids movie, but he's great. I'm yeah. telling you, he is great. Yeah. He's so he screamed, you know. Yeah. Which is funny because as an adult, you rewatch those movies and you
2: go, damn, they got Daniel Stern and yeah. Joe Pesci in these <laughs> and movies. And they're are so great. They're so, great. <laughs> they're so good yeah. in those
0: movies. Yo, know, kudos to Scorsese in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. He needle drops Me first in the Gimme Gimme song. Oh, that's right. Yep. yep. Sloop yep. John B. Yeah, he when does When they the, take one to one the covers. seas. Yeah, yep. That's cool. So cool. Yeah. They made it to Scorsese, my boys. Woo!
2: All right. Well, let's wrap this baby up. Yeah, man. Uh, I am uh, all over Philadelphia lately, mm-hmm. which I'm feeling very good about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, an article up there right now about um, The Dark Knight. Uh, a lot of people have been reflecting it's on really that. really good. Thank really you. Really good. Thank it is you. good. Uh, very well
0: I, written, and it like covers a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's
2: uh, it's about like uh, order and chaos in, mm. in The Dark Knight and what it has to say
0: about that. Uh, and I, I put something say up. out of all of the like, 10 year reunion of Dark Knight it's the, like I, I made the joke that all of these pieces, all they've done is remind me that my now 10 year old plan to become Batman has it's, had no progress. Yeah, yeah. Yours, your piece is the first one that I was like, this is this actually is this is making me happy oh, <laughs> like, thanks, man. that it it gets to the stuff that all the other pieces failed to Thank so you. good I stuff appreciate yeah appreciate that <laughs> yeah so check
2: that out over on Cynadelphia.com. i'm still at FarsightedBlog.com, where i am still slowly making my way through herschel gordon lewis's movies uh, and uh oh and um uh that entertains.com has started picking up some of my reviews nice. again. So you can uh, uh go over there and uh, read all my reviews of the cube trilogy. Oh, oh man. I'm a cube, he's a cube, cube. she's a, a cube. cube, we're a all cube. cubes. Hey! Since cube been gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that was a bit then and I were driving the car on the way to Mission Impossible <laughs> Fallout. Ridiculous. Yeah. Uh <laughs> so uh, yeah, you can check me out all over there and Now
0: I'm, I know why Cube wanna hate me. <laughs>
2: Uh, I'm at Filmadelphia on uh, Twitter and uh, Letterbox.com.
0: I am at Dan Scully on Twitter, letterbox all that stuff. You can check out Cinadelphia.com. I believe I'll be hitting some Puff coverage coming up soon. Yeah. I've got a now, oh, it's going to be a... Ten. 8 8 week running series oh, okay. that I hope will lead to me getting assigned the new Halloween movie. Yes, yeah. That's the whole reason. That's it. the goal. That's the that's the goal uh, yep. where I'm covering all of the Halloween movies to explore why we are once again just trashing his canon. Yeah. And and I love it. Yeah. Um, also check out findy.com I'll be covering the Philly Film Festival for them this Fuck year. Yeah. Probably not with as much intensity as last year because that <laughs> just like ruined my life. Dude, you went, cr- uh, I you went crazy on that last year. I saw like forty movies. It's so that nuts. Crazy. I, I mean, was free movies. I, I was logged drunk. for that. But, yeah, yeah. I honestly, by the end, I hated movies. <laughs> yeah. But also, I'm about to start covering a little bit of theater for them. Yeah. Uh, for you were telling uh, me about this. I'm excited. It's for Fringe Fest. So yeah. It's just going to be small stuff because yeah. Fringe shows run like three nights. So yep. there's you know, it's it's opening night. You get the review out. Yep. And people just want to know a hey, thumbs up, thumbs down. But uh, I don't know. It's something that I'm more interested in, just to spread my wings as a, as a critic. So yeah, that's awesome. Check well, that out you're too. Seeing
2: a lot more theater these days. So. Yeah. Your, your lovely partner, Jenna, is uh, a, a pretty well-known actress in Philadelphia these yeah, days. She's really famous. And, uh, so, uh, <laughs> she's yeah, also I mean,
0: got a couple pieces up on Cinadelphia uh, as well. She's, so, yeah, check that shit yeah, out. She's
2: uh, quite the writer, actually, too. Um, ah, so yeah, you On can her behalf. Just, yeah, yeah. she's I, I like reading her stuff over there.
0: So, yeah, check out all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, as well as, of course, I like to movie on everything. Please yeah. interact with us. We'll yeah. interact with you. Let us know what you want. Uh, we will have some live shows coming up as we bang some things yes. out. And, uh, I guess we there's nothing really to announce yet but no. um we're going to have some exciting stuff that ties into Puff yep. and uh and a few other things coming up so just keep your eyes open and yeah. phillyunnamed.com as well.
2: Yes and uh, we should have another episode coming out like pretty shortly on the heels of this one yeah. since we're a yeah. little late for you guys. We have a
0: and a strange schedule over the next couple of weeks yeah. but uh there will be the, there will be the same amount of content yeah. it just might not be might in be a this, little staggered. yeah it might be staggered but yeah. It'll it'll be there. We'll be there. There ain't yeah, no yeah. paywall. Yeah, it's all exactly, available. Exactly. What do you yeah, think this is? Your wolf, get yeah. the fuck out of here! If we miss a
2: Sunday, don't don't think that means we're gone. Mm. It just means Dan and I were both gone on a weekend that we needed to be. Here.
0: Yeah, it means we both care about our families. Yeah, exactly. That's usually what mine it means, and actually. Jenna's birthday are this month. Yes. Which and we're it's very excited crazy. about here. Am I? know, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 34? I'm into you're, that. You're
2: going to have a rad birthday, too. gonna be good. It'll be good. It'll be good stuff.
0: Be good. Uh, so happy birthday, Dan. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> we're going to have an episode that we're recording on Friday, which is still before my birthday. Yeah, so that's right. We'll do, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do happy birthday again, <laughs> then. We'll get it in. Yeah, we'll all get right. It sounds in. good. Actually, you should pick a birth, uh, movie for your birthday that we do on Friday. I'll think about it. Yeah. i uh, think about I don't it. don't mean
2: right now, but I mean that's that's what we should do. We should do a birthday movie for you on Friday. I'm into it.
0: Yeah. I am into it. Uh dance dance pick. Uh all right. So my name is Garrett Smith. <laughs> all here. right. Newsies this <laughs> Friday, baby. This is no I would. I would, but that's not what I if I if I I mean, it's not like I this is a special treat where I get to pick the movie. We one of us picks I know. there's a fifty percent chance I'll pick the movie. This most could be week. your chance to like force a movie
2: on me though, that I might otherwise be like, oh, I don't know.
0: Oh, that's tough. We have some very, very similar tastes. I know, that's true. <laughs> I don't think there's anything you could bring up that I'd we'll be figure like, it I out. don't know about that, Dan. But either way, yeah. I like two movie on all the platforms. Yes. Filmadelphia on all the platforms. Yeah. Uh, I almost said Cinadelphia. Dan Scully on all the platforms. <laughs> and Cinadelphia, <laughs> fuck yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, I guess we should throw this out there as well. Uh, check out Shame Files pod. Yep. Um there's also, uh, I don't want to make the official announcement, but there's going to be a slight rebranding of Cinadelphia coming yes. up, and we're going to have details on how you can find yeah. uh, all of the updates coming up in the future. Yep. Uh, Shame Files Pond. Check out CinePunks. Yep. Uh, check out I Saw It in a Movie. Uh, I think they just dropped their third episode, but episode two is me. Yes, and it's a good episode. Thank you. We had a lot of fun with that. And Oh yeah, and I guess moviejohn.com, I participated in the uh, Mission Impossible Fallout roundtable review, so check that out, that was a lot of fun.
2: Which I would just like to, uh, I mean, I know I already told you about this, but just Mm. so our listeners can can get in on this, I I just thought this was fun, that your article for Movie John was Mm. uh, comparing Buster Keaton,
0: if I'm not mistaken, to Ethan Hunt. Basically saying that Buster Keaton's the DNA for the modern spy blockbuster. And guess who Christopher McQuarrie name-dropped in a bunch of (laughs) interviews I heard this week. Not me. No, he talks (laughs) about
2: Buster Keaton being a... a, 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 That's who he looks to when he's trying to figure out, what is Ethan Hunt going to do in my next movie?
0: Guess I got my fingers on the motherfucking pulse, y'all! I love it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) just wanted to brag on your behalf, basically. Good good shout-out. Thanks, man.
2: Thanks. Uh, (laughs) All right, let's wrap this up. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie, movie.
0: My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie, movie.
2: And we all know that you like to movie, movie. Because (laughs) we like to movie!